Hello, everyone, and welcome back once again to the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. We've got the whole crew here today. I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitale. Joining me, I have Josh Torres. NASA Punk. We have Adam Vitale. Hello. Chow Min Wu. How's it going? And welcome him, welcoming him back from a very busy week at Summer Games Fest, James Galizio. I'm so tired. <laughs> You're alive. So uh, obviously we kind of preempted ourselves at the last couple weeks of this TetraCast about how our not E3 of this last couple weeks in early June. Last week, James was not here because he was our boots on the ground in Southern California. Pretty much every single publisher and platform holder outside of Nintendo has had some sort of presentation or a showcase or at least streaming event. And that is basically our goal today is to try to cover that as best as we can, look at all the news relevant to us, relevant to our audience, and try to parse it all down, lay it all out, go through what we thought was most interesting, most interesting, go through what we were surprised by, go through what we were maybe disappointed by. But before we go into any specific headline or any specific game, I kind of just want to open it up by handing the microphone over to James just to kind of ask him, like, uh, this is the first real hands-on. I mean, there have been smaller in-person events, but this is like the first big kind of return to form in a couple years. And James was lucky enough to be able to do a lot of that hands-on work for us. So I just kind of wanted to ask you, James, like your last week, your last week and a half, you've been, you know, incredibly busy. I just kind of wanted to, you know, pick your brain about what your experience has been, like what you've been doing over the last week and just how tired are you? To answer how tired I am, very, because, um, one thing that I can't really um, talk about yet, but it wasn't just Summer Game Fest uh, last week that I was handling. There was also another thing that I handled earlier in the week that sometime next week you'll be able to see um, some of the stuff I did. But uh, yeah, like Summer Game Fest itself was uh, essentially three days, uh, the Friday, the Saturday, and the Sunday. And most of what I saw there is uh, the embargoes lifted and I can talk about not all of it. There's like still like a few lingering things that I either need to get up or uh, the embargo hasn't quite lifted yet. But uh, yeah, to put in perspective, like you saw some outlets like uh, obviously the bigger ones like GameSpot or IGN or Kotaku where they'd have like multiple people there, like uh, three or four. Now, granted, they were also covering stuff that wasn't just RPGs, but still. <laughs> and uh yeah, I, I was I was the only boots on the ground for RPG site. And uh, very unfortunately, there was a lot of RPGs this year. Yeah, good, yeah, good thing RPG is a very uh, a very niche genre. Not a lot of people make them. There's not there's not very many of them. Yeah, it's I mean, a shame. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a shame. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, you know, uh, we're glad you made it out alive, James. But like this thought, like, how was it over in LA? Like, uh, were there a lot of people uh, there? Like, kind of like it's a different flow from E3. It's not like a convention center. Like, yeah, what's like the general yeah. layout? So they basically had like a little. I don't. I don't know the best way of putting it. I remember hearing from folks that were at Summer Game Fest last year. There was basically just a single building. This year they expanded it, and it was basically like a city block that they had like rented out 
Like around what what area is it? Like is it still by LACC or is it like at another? Oh, the opposite side. The okay. opposite side. Okay. So um, like I can actually like double check really quick to see where it was, but I do know it was like I think closer to like um like yeah like closer to East LA. Yeah, it was um. Okay, so here, here's where it was. It was in the fashion district. Okay, got it. Yeah, I don't know where that is. Yeah. So not okay. East LA, LA, but definitely, like, pretty much... So, it, so in the, like, in this little city block uh, that they had rented out, and rent, like, I guess, like, you know, a, like, occupied space for... Was it, like, you were, were you moving, like, through different buildings, or was it mainly outside, like, they were holding these things, or... Or, moving yeah. through different buildings there were a few uh spots were, which were outside like niantic i had an appointment with them and i was yeah. able to play some stuff and obviously with a company like niantic it's it behooves them for it to be outside because it fits in with the games that they publish and develop and whatnot okay um, so like uh since we're on niantic like uh, tell us what you saw from them since we don't really take a from Niantic, so what, what do they got for us? I saw some updates for Pokemon Go, which I'm not going to write write up about because we don't really cover it. it, and wouldn't make sense to cover it when we haven't been keeping up about yeah. it. Well, let's yeah, Pokemon I, Go up to up to the. I feel, I feel like people who are playing Pokemon Go, yeah, are already pretty good at staying on top of it. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I mean, they they they've got their spots, and obviously, like it's like it's a more kind of like. Uh, People already are in their flow for for Pokemon Go, <laughs> you know. It's not like we're, we're here to break the mold, but like you you played Pokemon Go before, so what did you see there before you got to the main thing from that? So they're adding a sort of like content, well, a, a feature called showcases at Pokestops, where it's like there will be these uh, themed events running, where it's like, hey, here's a type of Pokemon that uh, will be part of the theme. And here's what the uh, metric is for the little contest. The example they showed was a Lydon showcase where it was like, let's see who has the largest Lydon. Okay. And you put one in a Pokestop and it's like kind of a way to see kind of like even for like newer players to kind of put things up out there. Because like during these events, the spawn rate for those Pokemons obviously are a bit higher. And uh, it's not something like a gym where it's like based off of the uh the combat power i think that's what it stands for uh so it's something that even newer players to the game can participate with and uh, it's uh, another way for you to kind of um have a mark on your like uh, neighborhood and whatnot you get so like, like, any, a, like i assume this will be the, the like display rankings on like who's like curfew yeah, at the top. yeah you yeah. get like they, re- they, any rewards at the end like uh for they, like they, ranking they, they were vague about what rewards you get, but they said there is obviously rewards. So okay. uh, what, whatever that means. Uh, the other feature is uh, routes where it's like um, you can uh, during your walk, you can actually record the um, the path you take. And then the reason that you want to do that is that if you record a path, like let's say there the example they gave is for rural com- uh, communities where it's like okay maybe there's less like poke stops and gyms but people can make these routes along like okay here's where the busiest section of this like smaller town or whatnot or here's like a really like scenic scenic route in this town and then people then you can save it and share it and uh it'll um other people can use that route them um themselves 
and there is obviously benefits to uh, going along these routes and uh, whatnot. Okay, that's an interesting uh, way to go about. So, like, so let's say like you're starting out with the game, or you're like, unfamiliar with the area, and like it's like a fairly rural or like far off area. Like, you know, ho- hopefully some people have already like kind of mapped out. Like, hey, if you're kind of new to the area, you're unfamiliar. Like, you you can you can take this path or go to some nearby variant of it, and you'll hit up. You can find some landmarks along the way for your first pokemon go experience that's 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 smart but we know you're really there to see a certain other project that we had already talked about um monster Hunter now yeah uh so i played oh. a little bit of it and um it's shockingly like really good like so I, so james it, uh, I, i'll be honest i see your feature that you put up on the site called Monster Hunter now really feels like Monster Hunter made mobile. Now, my gut instinct is to unfortunately be like, really? So convince me. Convince me about Monster Hunter now. Okay, so first off, if you've played Pokemon Go, then you know that the combat in that game is very different from like mainline Pokemon games. Uh, Monster Hunter now's combat is essentially just regular Monster Hunter combat, just condensed into like a 75 second like time limit. Like you, you tap and swipe and whatnot, like, but there's like weapon, like comp, like attack combos you can do for, for an example, as you attack with like a great sword, you will build up like a special attack meter, which will let you do a true charge slash. But if you do a true, but if you like hold down an an attack for like a charge slash and the number one, and then the final one, you could just do a true charge slash on your own without that. If you understand how like the um, how weapons in Monster Hunter actually work and how they work and well, how they uh, <laughs> the attacks chain together, uh, swiping dodges, it's omnidirectional because it's like so you can actually like uh, dodge to get closer, dodge to get further away, obviously to target different body. And parts. there's all like there... there's like an on screen like joystick and like buttons like you, you no, tap. no, okay, no. it's all just uh, swiping and tapping. Oh, anywhere on the screen, like they're fairly flexible with like what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's an option is there is like a lock on like option. You can tap that and then shoot like tap a body part that you want to focus on. So if you're obviously trying to break a specific part to get like mater- specific materials, you'd still go for that. And that's like just straight up for Monster Hunter. And uh, one of the really neat things is that obviously the monsters themselves are the main thing you'll want to do and you can obviously and for tougher monsters you'll want to like uh, ask folks for help but one of the features they added that's really really cool is they brought back paintballs but not in the way that you think Uh instead of instead of (laughs) using paintballs to just like uh, track a monster so you can find it later it's a bit different from that you use a paintball and then it basically saves that monster for like a couple of days and then at any time you can just select it and then char- and challenge it right then and there that's interesting yeah so it's like you you wanted to like do do it later that's a way to do it yeah and the idea is is that okay maybe like let's say you have a bunch of you have a couple of friends that obviously they're working adults and they don't really have like unless like during the weekend they don't really have any other time to like go out and do monster or now with you so the idea is, is that separately, each one of the each one of you can like play a bit of Monster Hunter now during downtime and find strong monsters that they want to hunt later. And then during the weekend, you can all meet up and just like take down all of them in like a, a long session. 
That's pretty cool. Like, the, is there like what's the upper limit of how many how many different monsters you can paintball each? I they didn't say specifically, but it looked like there was like at least like at least like five or six. At wow. Least. Okay, that's actually way more than I thought. So yeah, and, like, that, that's also pretty cool. Like, say if you go to an area and it has like a, and there's a monster that you don't really see around like the normal area that you live in. Let's say like I'm visiting, let's say Japan. And like it's a oh shit like a fucking like variant of Rathalos only appears here in Japan, but like it doesn't really appear back in the states. Like I can pick ball, and then when I go back to the states, I can go hunt that with friends there. That you know I don't really see like that variant of Rathalos, for example. Yeah. That's cool. Did, That's cool. Yeah, and they did confirm that there are stuff like Elder Dragons that are like end game fights and whatnot, uh, and uh, the way that. Palico's work is it's basically if you played Pokemon Go, you know what Adventure Sync is. It's like it's it's the way of uh, of the game itself, like kind of playing itself a little bit for you as you're walking around without you actively like interacting with it. Mm -hmm. um, so Palco's can like go to gathering points and gather materials that way while you're along a path. Uh, one thing they can also do, which I believe this is something you do have to pay money for. Uh, you can buy Palico paintballs and they will automatically tag monsters that you can filter. You can filter. It's like, I don't want them to tag anything that's lower than this, like danger level or whatnot. So they'll like automatically tag anything if you're not actively playing the game, but you're just walking around that way. You don't have to check to make sure. Okay. Like every five steps, I hope I didn't miss a powerful monster where it's just like, I can get why some people might be like, that's kind of, but I think in, in like context, it's like, okay, that that's fine. It's, it's a very much a quality of life feature. It's like, it's like paying like path of exile for like stash tab, like extra stash tabs, for example, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, it's like a, it's like, you know, to make it more convenient for you, but don't, it's not really mandatory, but it's, you know, it's nice to have if like, if you're an active player of it. Um, two questions. Uh, one, did they mention a price point for like this, uh, like upgraded paid tier? I didn't get any information about that. Yet. Okay, and and then second, like to to play with other people, is it only like local co op only, or can you play with other people like through online? Local co op only. Okay, God, old school monster hunter. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, th did they mention like uh, other weapon types uh, that'll be in there, like or maybe or how many weapon types they'll have? Uh, it looks like they had every weapon type it launched it looks like it okay wow i, I wonder how exactly it works of like uh, i don't know if you, if you got to see this or test this or see someone else test this but like it would like say bow and arrow can you like gyro aim with your phone no no wow wow okay that would, that would have been really cool <laughs> to do uh, I, I, wasn't, I, wasn't, yeah, I wasn't expecting us to start out with kind of a detailed deep dive into monster hunter now uh but James, if I were to ask you, like, whether it's game-related or or just more event-related, what was your, like, number one memory of of the weekend? Like, you're, I don't know if you had a run-in with someone you knew or a certain event that happened at, you know, after hours or anything that you can share with us on the podcast. Uh, I can't share specifics, but the uh, giant bomb slash fandom, like, uh, SGF party was pretty fun. You also had a run-in with a, a certain producer, I heard. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, just just randomly when I was, uh, like, trying to uh, deal with, like, uh, Bandai Namco appointment stuff, I uh, just, as I was, like, exiting 
that venue, I uh, almost almost literally uh, ran into Yoshi P. So there he is. Funny. There's the guy, and then you guys got a nice little picture with him. You guys are having fun, and that that's that's cool. The, the, yeah, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> so okay, so you 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 saw you saw Niantic. Well, what 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 do you want to share with us next? Uh, take us on your journey. Where, where do you wanna Where do you wanna go next? Okay, okay. So obviously, I played too many games over, over <laughs> yeah. last week. Too many games. Uh, it feels like I've been like just absolutely like swamped with work for the last like month and it's not slowing down anytime soon. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I did play a bit of Final Fantasy seven ever crisis. That was the first thing I wrote about uh, because that was quite frankly, the only thing at Square Enix's uh, appointment that was uh, an RPG that wasn't an already like existing mobile game that had what stars is an RPG. You didn't want to write about home stars. <laughs> I wrote I about it on Twitter. I wrote about it on Twitter because, <laughs> like, we're, we're not going to be able to like. I who, yeah. who was it? Who was it that was saying that Foam Stars is like their game of the show? Uh, actually, a handful of people. I, was people, it, yeah. it, I will say, like, if if you've read my thread on Twitter, then you know that I think it's like it's got a lot of promise. I hope it does well because, like, most of the issues I had with uh, Foam Stars can be fixed. <laughs> so. Um, also about yeah. ever crisis. So, uh, the way it's presented is it's basically like an HD remaster slash remake of uh, Final Fantasy VII. Like, obviously, the structure might be a bit different. Like, the combat is obviously different. It's like a simplified ATB, but like the presentation and from what they've told me, at least so far, about how uh, the story is going to be. Um, handled does make me think okay this this might be worth playing like uh, if you haven't read my preview basically one of the things they did tell me is that there's no stamina system at least for the story Don't yeah it, 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 it sounds like if they're gonna do the Dissidia opera omnia mm -hmm. model where as you're going through the story stages of that game you didn't consume stamina but you did have a stamina system for like like dungeon stages to get like mats and, and stuff like that so the, 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 they're there's probably I think there's stamina there's a stamina like stat or or like digit in some of the screenshots they've like shown up but I like, it might be the Opera Omnia model where as you're going through the story to normally it won't consume stamina it's just like for other modes in that game uh, I imagine what I what I didn't know about this I guess I didn't really see much gameplay footage beforehand was I didn't know that they've shown before like in like the opening like um when they first showed off this game like they had like the low po polygonal model style chibi style for like as you're exploring around but when you actually get into battles that's when it renders the high def like the like the remake models when you actually go to the uh combat itself like i was thinking they're still gonna have like the the chibi cloud enter battle when you're like in the chibi mode uh in that game i'm pretty sure that's what they showed originally was you explore the map it looks like original final fantasy 7 ish and then it looks like remake in battle. I must have, I must have forgotten because like I saw like the, the some gameplay going around uh, with the hands-on impressions. Like, oh, that's how it works. Okay, uh, I guess I I must have forgotten about that. It's kind um, of an interesting blend of art style because obviously the remake models are very like high fidelity. Then yeah. the chibi models kind of have like this modern interpretation of what Final Fantasy VII originally looked like. 
Um, it's like a more better realized whatever Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition was. And then like the 2D art is like a very clean version of Nomura's current style for the 2D art for the character portraits. Yeah, so I think it's, they, I think it, I think the game just looks pretty nice in general. It has a, like it has a nice visual identity in its own. Well, it's kind of like it, it's not like doing and not doing anything like super no, novel, but the way it kind of blends together everything like kind of fits really it has a distinct uh like look to it um when you uh the thing that uh, really caught my eye uh james in your article for ever crisis is they mentioned to you that they'll launch with the entire original final fantasy 7 story uh with that and the thing that really ma- made me think is that if they're doing if they're if they're having these like kind of uh high def remake models uh in this game like that would mean potentially that we would see like potentially the high day high def remake assets or like some form of them first in ever crisis before they come out in like the final yep. ff7 re- like remake trilogy um yep yep so definitely seems possible yeah. yeah so that that's the thing that really makes me excited and and kind of I don't know if baffled is the right word, but like it, it really kind of awestruck me for a little bit when I thought about it. Like, that's going to be really weird to see, like, say, like, what Safer Sephiroth looks like, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's that's wild that, that Ever Crisis might just debut that first. And we did uh, last week, James. I think you put that up, like, as we were podcasting last week. I think it was last Saturday when you put that up. So we did talk about it at a very high level, um, but it was cool that you'd be able to speak to your direct experience here. Yeah, did, did they? Uh, did you like see anything about like how the gotcha system works in this game? Nope. Okay. Nope. Got, Didn't I, have a chance yet. So. Okay. I I think people are speculating like you're rolling for weapons in this game. But that's that's only the the hubbub I, I've heard. But uh, you know, um, we'll we'll see if any of us get into the closed beta, and like, and if not, then we'll see what full release looks like. And you know, I. It, look, if no one else is playing it, I'll play it. You know, I'm already set uh, to play it. I, I, I I'm, to I'm planning to play it. Like, I don't know. Uh-huh. Like, I, uh, I, I kind of like. I'm looking at this as hopefully a, an opportunity just to kind of like revisit all of that compilation stuff from like the mid 2000s Square era, where you had like the dirge of Cerberus before Crisis, which of course was never officially localized. All the different like, uh side stories and spin-off media and all that stuff and get it all into one package because watch it watch it all become super relevant for a remake part two and now three. you gotta catch up on first soldier lore well uh, i watched the opening cutscene, so i'm caught up so now i know who glenn lucia and matt are if it's like if it's like the city opera obvia there might be like a three-player cooperative like battles or raids in there as well so let's let's go let's team up brian Yika. i'll break my uh, SSR Lucretia from Dirge of Cerberus along. Let's go. Adam, if you watched the Ever Crisis trailer, you saw it's Sephiroth had a run in with Glenn. You know, mm-hmm. Glenn. Oh, very important. <laughs> yeah. Glenn, you know, my fa- that guy. My, my favorite. Yeah. Um, let's see here. So I'm looking at some of your other features that you put up, uh, uh, James. Oh, here, I'll, I think I'll go ahead and. The one that you seem really eager to talk about, despite it not really being in our purview, is what Ubisoft showed for this uh, Prince of Persia, the Lost Crown game. So, uh, what like you obviously saw this game and were you know impressed enough that you said, "Hey, I know it's not quite our coverage, but I want to talk about it." So, yeah, what made yeah, you it's think- like, go ahead. Um, 
well, to be blunt, we've covered like uh, Metroidvanias before. Like I know we did some of the Momodora stuff. Uh, we never reviewed it, but like uh, like also Minoria and it's like those. Right. Yeah, they have levels, but fundamentally they're still just like Metroidvanias. It, it kind of depends on how strong the Vania is. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, it's like I played this. I also played the Division mobile game. Still not sure what I'm going to write up about that. But uh, I, I I played it, and I'll just say it here: it's it was my game, the show. Wow, <laughs> oh, I, that's the, I know. I knew you felt strongly about it, but I didn't realize it was that. Yeah, that's like, uh, not like yeah, well, uh, yeah. Well, well, here's the, well, here's the <laughs> thing, though. It's like if you look at everyone else that uh, has played this, like pretty much every hands-on impression has been very positive, and for and for a good reason. Like it like feels incredible to play the level design is already good the visual like identity is really interesting and it's like everything about it in the demo and it was like a lengthy enough demo like okay. and they and they felt confident enough where it's like hey do you want to try the demo again on switch to see how the switch version is did you <laughs> yeah i did and okay. i even asked them and it turns out that the switch version is essentially the lead platform wow uh, okay which to me makes it sound like um after like hollow knight and like metroid dread that maybe this um this the that's kind of what got the ball rolling for this because like both those games obviously did very well on switch and like ubisoft might have thought okay well we can make something like this it kind of fits into like prince of persia and then I'm pretty, like, yeah, pretty interested in this when they first like debuted the trailer at the summer games fest event like i was like oh uh, and at first it threw me out because i thought is this the sands of time remake that like they like that's is in development like, oh no oh, yeah yeah uh, it's like oh no it's a it's a brand new one and then they're like oh they're going back to it being a side scroller it looks like be real it looks like really active like in movement and like in like fighting combat combos it was like there's like a dash in there. Like it looked really up my alley. Of yeah. Like, hey, this looks really responsive. There might be something here. Oh, yeah. The controls like let me put it this way. Part of the reason why I think so many people have been positive about it, myself included, is that even though the game's not out until next year, just playing it, just playing it. You can already tell this is going to be a really good fucking game. Damn, I'm, uh, it, I'm it control, like not a single issue with the controls. It is like, hmm. Perfect. Do we do we know who uh, who's the development studio behind this? Rayman Legends uh, development. Awesome. Yeah, that would be that'd be it. Those people know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's like I don't know how in depth you want me to get about like how it plays, but it's like it's it's like an action like an action focused uh, Metroidvania with uh, like some really fluid combat with uh, like combo chains and whatnot, and it just feels really good. And it's and good in the sense where the combat doesn't like put a pause on the movement, but mm -hmm. rather you can just like weave combat into your movement as you're going through like a stage. And it's also cool too because like uh, uh, like aside from combat, just general like platforming, like the and like uh, level exploration, it seems to have like the sands of time um, mechanic where you you can kind of reverse time uh, yeah. in the middle movement as well. So I guess I'm wondering is like. Can you like uh, weave that uh, time reversal into combat itself too? Yes, you can. So, in fact, one of the things they showed in the trailer is that you can set down like a little like temporal like time ghost thing. And then, as uh, an enemy is doing like an attack that's sweeping through the arena, or a boss is like doing an attack that's sweeping through the arena, you can uh, 
basically uh like be attacking it and then by the time the attack will will reach you you can like recall yourself to that ghost so you're just avoiding the attack entirely that's so cool <laughs> that sounds so cool uh yeah i i think i'm sold on this game you know uh just saw what, the little bit of that what they showed and then what you're saying i'm like you know what i think i'm already sold on this game you know that's uh that's pretty good that's pretty good so game of the show prince of Persia: of the lost crown runner up foam stars Runner up, up, Monster Hunter now. Well, no, Just, no, no. I definitely. I'm big, silly. Yeah, I did. Also... I love throwing it. <laughs> you did also what? In that dream, like I also love throwing liberty. How dare you? Yeah, the, the Amazon game. I, I, I did also uh, play. Um, a bit of the Cyberpunk DLC, which is funny because okay. they they had. Well, first off, they want people to call it an expansion, uh, but it, it's funny because they had two separate like demos. Technically, like they had the short quote unquote demo at Summer Games Fest itself. And then some people had access to a longer demo. I didn't. It was off site a few blocks down, but <clears throat> the short demo, quote unquote, was still like an hour long and the long demo was just like an hour and a half. So okay. I don't quite know why they did that, because I don't think are you really going to get much more to talk about from an hour and a half demo versus an hour demo? I don't know. I mean, a vertical so. slice is a vertical slice. Yeah. So, uh, huh. be yeah. Be before we go into this, like just to like, you know, uh, let people know, like, is this expansion like is there going to be a standalone variant of it? Can you just like uh, get this alone or do you need to have the base cyberpunk? You need to have game? the base cyberpunk. It is slotted into the middle mid to late game of the cyberpunk story okay so okay, uh, i was so actually wondering about that because i so i watched the cinematic trailer and i was actually wondering like is this a mid cold expansion or is it like afterwards because like the two witcher 3 expansions or dlcs were kind of like after being speaking i don't i don't know how much people in 2023 care about cyberpunk spoilers but at the end of the game there is still the unresolved part about the the time the bomb in B's head like that's not fully resolved it's supposed to be kind of be a lingering what's going on and that's referenced in this DLC so I'm like this could take place after potentially so it's interesting to hear that it's uh in line mid game yeah so one thing I will say is that uh this like they have like already confirmed that uh completing this DLC will give you a never ending option so like whatever oh, that means okay. that's interesting uh, but uh, what I played of this, uh, it is really, really nice to see cyberpunk now that it's had years of uh, like spit and polish because this expansion like feels really good. It looks really nice. Uh, and I'm sure if if you enjoyed cyberpunk, you're going to like this quite a bit. And apparently like when the main things are uh introducing with the expansion which will also be backported to the main game is they're like completely retooling a lot of their ai systems including for like the police and whatnot because i remember one of the things that people complained about at launch is that you would get like you would like attract the police and they would just spawn out of nowhere they don't do that anymore they just i they... I, I hear like this uh this also has like like new new skill trees like you can like do new builds in this new expansion and then I assume, like, whatever progress you get from this expansion, you can backport it back to the main game. Did they? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically, yeah, it's 
it like I can see why they're calling it an expansion. It gives you like an entirely new area to explore, like in uh, Dogtown, uh, like like all of the voice acting stuff and like the stuff from the story in that first hour is very interesting. I'm like curious to see where it will go. Well, I remember uh, like, even when the base game released with all of its faults and all of its bugs. Uh, one thing, one thing that Alex, who was a champion of the game for better or for worse, uh, described that I did actually agree with is he said that cyberpunk was a great game for sitting down and talking to people. Like just the first person conversations was actually like surprisingly like well done and memorable. And I kind of got vibes of that from the trailer as well. And I'm like, you know what? That's one thing that the base game did do well. So I'm kind of looking yeah. forward to like revisiting that. Yeah. Like this should be really good. And if you haven't played cyberpunk yet, this is probably the, this will probably be the best time to do it. Yeah. Oh, so I'm interested in this game and like, yeah. it sounds like uh, obviously, I mean, very obviously the version of the game that we'll get, it's going to be a lot better than what it was at launch. Did they yeah, mention like, how you access this DLC in the game? Like, did they say, oh, it's like a, it'll pop up on the map and you select it uh, to, to start it? Did they give any specifics on that? I They didn't, but I'd imagine it's probably something like that. Okay, because I'm thinking, like, if, like, let's say I start, like, Cyberpunk, like, soon, like, how how far do I get at the game before, like, I, like, feel like I should stop and wait for this DLC? Or should I just be like, okay, I'll play through the game and like not do like the final thing and then do the DLC first when it comes out? Some games, they like expansion content is like almost considered like a quest line, only mm-hmm. just like a very, very uh, involved quest line. This is a random example. I know Wasteland 3 was like that um, with the DLC. So I, maybe something like that. But, or I, I, I'm always like, I always have to kind of ask this in the back of my head into like people as well, because like, I still, I'm still kind of scarred by like how from software did it in Dark Souls one, like doing it in a really obscure method to like access the DLC and like their, their games. Like, Oh, if you go here, don't go too far. And you have to go to this tree or whatever. And I'm like, I try to remember how to get, you get to the Dark Souls one DLC. Now I remember it was like a really stupid, like, Somewhat convoluted at, method. at the lake. At the lake, you kill the hydra, uh-huh. and then afterwards, there's this like crystal fuck that will spawn, <laughs> and, you, and you defeat it. Uh huh. You, you defeat it, and then you'll uh, get. Well, wait, I think you need to defeat a specific one in the Duke's archives first, mm-hmm. and then you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you like pass out, and then like then you like pass out, and then you like wake up in the past, right, or something like that. Yeah. It's really strange. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. I was like, oh fuck, man. Yeah. So ever ever since that, I was like, okay, how do you? I have to ask, how do you access deals? This DLC. Okay, I don't usually use guides for like Souls games, but when it comes to looking for the DLC, I had to look at the guide because I paid twenty dollars or something. <laughs> you know, like, I can't let it go to waste. I need to know where it is. And may- maybe I'm just like stupid, but for as much as we kind of poo pooed on Cyberpunk uh the year it came out i'm kind of like should i reinstall it it I, i'm thinking of like getting on its next discount to be honest like i like i think i think it's one of those things like it yes it started r- rough at launch but you know they kept working at it you know and you know like a lot of people are very fond of it now and it seems to be like at a decent state now where it's like hey you know you, you you'll have a you'll have a pretty good time like i also think i also think just people have better calibrated expectations of what type of game it is well, yeah, yeah, I think I think for so this is not down down crediting all the problems that the game did have at launch, but I do think that 
some of the things that people said at launch is like they would shoot the water and it wouldn't like splash. And they're like, this game's not immersive because it's not, it's not, it's not, it's nothing like Grand Theft Auto. I'm like, is it, was it supposed to be? <laughs> you know, things like that. Well, I also think like some people took some of the marketing, like marketing really literally, like you can do anything. And it's like, no, it's still it, a it structured game. It, it is one of those things that like the, the marketing wanted you to think it was like the second copy of Christ at some points, right? Yeah, like the, people had their expectations like up through the roof because it was because of official messaging. Yeah, I don't, I don't put so, that on also, the audience was, at all. There was a lot of stuff from like that or like some of those early like E3 uh, showcases that was just straight up cut from the game. Yeah, I got but, Richard three in that sense. Like there was like, you know, back back uh, backstage well, E3 demos kind of. Well, but the Witcher three isn't even the best like uh, comparison because like Witcher three, like the gameplay itself was mostly unchanged. It was just like the entire visual identity. Of the uh-huh. game was but like for Cyberpunk, like. There was like a huge like community list of stuff that they had confirmed was going to be in the game, and then like and a showcase that they then walked back and said, "Okay, actually, no, this this." And, and, then, and then multiplayer like it was just like eventually just totally scrapped, you know. Uh, well, remember well. like un- until like uh, maybe like a year before launch, maybe even less. You're supposed to have like multiple different. I forget the I forget the wording, but like Johnny Silverhand was supposed to be one of three options. And then they're like, oh, nope, it's just Johnny. Like there, like there was there was scope creep galore. And then they're like, oh, crap, <laughs> our eyes are yeah. much bigger than our capability. Uh, so they had to, like, pare it down. It sounds like really heavily in the in the final couple of years. So as long as, long as they don't have like Phantom Liver to be like, hey, this is the, the, this is the third coming of Christ, then I think we'll be OK. I think they've been better about it. Yeah, <laughs> I think they, I, they've definitely cooled down. Like, you know, we're kind of we're working working here and kind of getting it getting it better and better not not like not like upping the scope anymore but just like you know we're making it the best that it can be what it should have been and then uh while we while we're on that topic i'll just say that they revealed that the release date for phantom liberty will be september 26th and in general that month of like the last day of August, right, is Baldur's Gate 3. They had a small uh, yeah, showing. I, I didn't at, realize um, until like just now, even though both have been dated for a while, like Baldur's Gate and Starfield practically are going to launch like neck, back to back. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, August 31st, September 6th. And then it's a month later, but giant games, Cyberpunk DLC, September 26th. Yeah, but yeah, and, I mean, you never know, right? Like, like that 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 first month of Starfield could be very rough. It could be like NASA Punk twenty seventy seven. Well, launch on that, so you never know. But like, you you, you have you have all these like, especially with Starfield, like they were like, this will be like the 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 the, the game with the fewest bugs at launch for a Bethesda game. It's like, what the fuck was that supposed to be? <laughs> like, only like, only a hundred bugs. Yeah, like it's like it's like like Bethesda games launch with like fucking a, tr- a trillion fucking bugs sometimes. Uh, I was gonna so say, has their like, record been good ever since they've been bought out by Microsoft? I mean, they, they, I, they haven't really launched with like a game under under Microsoft banner, like a brand new yeah, this one. Is it. You know, yeah. this is this is gonna be the first one under Microsoft for real. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. And and you know, like that that quantity could be like kind of like think about it like this. Let's say I boot up Starfield. It's like, oh, the the bug that I'm having is like uh, the single bug that I'm having is the game isn't working. It's not booting up. Well, it's it's technically that's, that's the, few, the fewest the fewest one, the fewest one, <laughs> the fewest bugs. <laughs> so much, you know, it just happens to be the one that doesn't boot the game up. It's like, okay, fair enough. Our our review guidelines definitely... like gets a zero. 
they're definitely playing with fire with uh, saying, okay, this is going to have the least amount of bugs of any. That's, that is fucking, uh, like, just fucking fruit for social media to gobble up because they're going to take that headline and that quote and then just post some fucked up bug <laughs> with it on their, on their post. I, I'm, I am really excited because it's like, either it's going to be a mess and it's going to be hilarious or they're actually going to pull it off. In which case I, I either way, I kind of like respect like the, I'm, the I'm looking forward to it. I, whatever way it goes, I'm looking forward to it. I will play it. And hopefully my experience is like, Oh, fire, a fiery mess. That'll make my PC explode. I mean, no <laughs> one, no, I mean, people will share like, social media bad animations maybe clipping issues like that's going that's inevitable i will eat a shoe if there is none of that if it's perfect people don't play bethesda games for like that level of like animation polish so it's basically if it avoids if, if all the bugs that are released with starfield are kind of i would argue superficial like that but then if it's like this game it has like ps3 skyrim chugs and crashes your hard drive <laughs> then of course that's a different story yeah well we'll get more to starfield later we're gonna we're getting way off. but yeah we're gonna get talk a lot more starfield in a bit oh yeah phantom liberty coming out in a few months and maybe maybe we'll use that uh unless james had any other final concluding thoughts about his summer games fest experience that i didn't think to to prompt for uh, other than that, I was just going to move into uh, probably the the most significant release of the week in terms of gameplay. Do you have any other sure final thing, sure thing? Okay, that'll work. Now we're good. So uh, I have we're going to have a very abbreviated like gameplay games talk section here, obviously because we have a crap ton to talk about in terms of news. But we couldn't go by without at least a quick look at the. Of course, the Final Fantasy 16 demo released this week. We knew that it was coming roughly two weeks before release, so it wasn't a surprise. And we'll probably won't talk about it for too, too long, because obviously we're just going to reconvene in seven days uh, with the full release. But I know that I played it. Chow played it. Uh, Josh has played it. So figured I'd at least give our our initial impressions for those of us that don't have, we are not playing the game for review. We don't have early access. We have not been hands-on. So this is our first chance playing Final Fantasy 16, which is of course, basically one of the biggest games of our site's coverage for the year. So um, just because we haven't heard him speak a whole lot, I want to go ahead and hand the mic over to Chow to start out. Chow, I saw that you were playing this game, uh, this demo. Did you finish the Final Fantasy 16 demo? And what are your thoughts so far? I finished the demo. Uh, I'm okay. very positive about it. Um, I don't know. I, 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 it feels like a modern use game to me. I don't know if that's you, but it feels like it, to it to me, but without the baggage of the party system. Like, you got, like, you hold the <laughs> R2. You, 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 you heard it here first, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Final Fantasy should not have parties. <laughs> there you go. It's like, it, <laughs> I love it without the parties, you know? I feel like it, even the use game, it's like, yeah, they're smart. But the, you still have to worry about them. But here, you don't have to worry about them at all. Me too. I, I really like that too. Like, if you're gonna have like a like an action RPG that lasts out party members, I'd rather they don't. I don't have to worry about them, like their health bars at all, or like ma or like micromanage them or anything like that. It's like it's like Tales of Arise, for example. It's like fuck, man. I I hated babysitting my my AI party members in Tales of Arise. The worst one is Trials of Mana. That's where the, Trials of Mana also where yeah, your okay. partner is completely stupid. They can't seem to dodge a freaking line that's covered in red, and then it gets killed, and you just have to solo the boss by yourself. And when I complain that to people that love the game, they're like, "Oh, the AI wasn't stupid on my end." Like, well, no, <laughs> I I think Trials of Mana is a pretty good game, yeah. but that's still like very frustrating. 
Yeah, but yeah, I, I I agree with you, Chad. That I'm 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 happy that like you know you don't have to worry about your AI party members here. Like you only have to worry about Clive, uh, uh, Wade, and what was the other dude's name? Tyler. They Tyler. are the best figs and wedge since <laughs> FF7. Okay, these guys are awesome. Wade is, Wade is a bro. I love him. I hope he doesn't die. You know what? When I saw him, I said, "This guy looks like Adam Sandler's. He is definitely <laughs> a bro." <laughs> okay, I yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but um, yeah. Well, so what was like your expectations going to this chow, and like, what, how did you think about like just the general like presentation of like it's very obviously it's very very cutscene heavy at the very beginning, like trying to establish a lot of things going on, trying to stay the world uh, who Clive is, etc. I was uh, gonna say, you know what's the best thing about this game it is up? the active lore system because mm. they throw all this terminology to you, and it's kind of hard to keep up, and then you just press you know, the touchpad, and then it's like, oh, you can read all the lore about this guy, and it's like, oh, there's that guy, I know that. It's like, there's the queen, I can fix her, she's nice. <laughs> Are you so, sure, child? So, <laughs> so, um, I also like the active lore system in concept, but unless I missed something, like, I didn't even think to press it, um, I think there was a small UI element, like the bottom right, like, oh, press the touchpad you on your... You can pause it anytime, and you can see what, and it'll cover it, whatever. It's like, it's like watching a video on Amazon Prime. It's like, you just pause it, it'll say, this is that cast member, this is, I don't know, Julia Roberts or something. So, and, like, but, the th but the thing is, is that it doesn't, and this is me nitpicking, I like the idea and concept 90% of the way, but it doesn't seem to give you an indication of when there is new information, like new codex entry or whatever. And may maybe that would be too much UI noise, but I pressed it and like, oh wait, it gave me an update on this character that I didn't realize. I just found it because I happened to press it. So I think it's one of those things where if you engage with the active time lore system frequently, like every every uh, time you're having, see a new cast member, you, you read up on them, that could be good. But I almost kind of wish I, that it gave you like a little bit of like like a starburst or something that said, "Hey, there's a new entry here that you can read up." I, I think it's style. one of those things that like, that'll like rectify itself because we've seen like in previous videos that like, hey, you can always like access like a like a librarian of some sorts and like read about these characters like after mm -hmm. the fact, right? So, so uh, I made a joke about it, but you kind of wish it was maybe more like Pentiment. I mean, yeah, so it's obviously very visually different, but like it gives a little underline like hey you can write you can read about this was it there was another obsidian game that did that as well i think it was um one of the pillars games where whenever whenever a and this this kind of helps because those games are pc centric or at least i think of them as pc centric i guess they're all on consoles too is that when it gives you a a, a proper noun it would highlight it then you mouse over it gives you a tooltip so this is kind of like wonder if that would be too much visual noise where you have highlighted words all over the place yeah like, I, I, like I, I, yeah for me because like if i'm watching the cutscene i'd rather not have like that that kind of visual noise that like makes you remember it's like oh yeah the, like I, I can press a thing like it could be a toggle too like it, they, they could have added it so it would be quite annoying it'll be like oh pop did you know that there's something new about this guy pop yeah for me i, 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 I kind of like the cutscene direction that they're doing like and yes it does kind of feel like a tv show almost um when like with some of these cutscenes you know um and the and the cinematography that they're going for which i, I really did enjoy like I, like obviously i had to like be a little understanding like for me i'm like i'm a very gameplay person where i'm like okay i understand i have to be, i have to be understanding that yes there's a lot of cutscenes because there's the beginning of the game and they're trying to establish a lot of things so like i'm just like obviously i'm one of those first like when's the gameplay when's the well, gameplay, like, the gameplay? <laughs> like for example i haven't i haven't played the demo i'm waiting for the full release mm -hmm. um, on pc but on pc yes <laughs> uh, but like so like the xenoblade series like their big cinematic scenes 
are well directed, but there's also a lot of scenes that are just like everyone stands in a circle and talks. Yes. Uh, th- does Final Fantasy seem to avoid that? I mean, like even the remake was pretty good. At, Seven remake was pretty good at avoiding that. That I'd say they're pretty good at avoiding that uh, for for cutscenes. They're they are, they're all pretty dynamic in how they're they're uh, positioned, how they're posed. You know, some person will be like on like a staircase, looking up or, or uh, looking up at someone or some movement. Yes, and, uh, yeah, and, and, and there'll be like background people like moving around too, like in that scenery. So it's not like static. Like, and then like even if you're like walking around, like you're not like directly talking to people. You'll just like have like one of those like dialogue bubbles as you're like passing them. Um, and like, and there'll be like a log at like the the bottom right uh, left corner and say, okay, what what did they say? If like you missed out on what they're saying, and kind of like a neat thing, like um, like if you see like a shiny object in the world, for example, you'd have to go up there and like press a button to pick it up. It'll like just magnet towards you. Um, if you see that shiny object, so you have to go. You just have to get near it, and it'll magnet towards you. If it's yeah, like a like treasure the, chest, then like yeah, the, you, the you, items you, give you like a like a visual vertical blue line, so very clearly indicates yeah. there's an item up there. They're they're obviously the 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 small little story demo, the part that carries forward. There's not a whole lot of exploration. You have the the rose, the the the, the initial castle, and then the swamp, and that's mostly it. Uh, but there was a little bit of a here up here on the scaffolding. There's an item. Figure out your way up there. So I do kind of like that. Just as like a little micro puzzle nature. Like we're very clearly going to show you that there's an item up here. We're not going to hide it from you. But how you actually arrive at that point might require a little bit of you know navigation. So I kind of like that yeah. as a gameplay. I, I think Idea. the thing that like kind of threw me off guard a little bit is like your your character feels a little bit weightier than you think they are when you start moving them. Like I I was kind of uh, th- like expect a little bit like more nimble as like Adolf from East, and then like no no he's like he's very he, he he's very uh, way more weighty in the in the way that like when you start like tilting uh, your stick forward or any direction, it's like it takes him a bit to like kind of get into there. Uh, I think his uh, Clive looks very slim for his figure in yeah i'm not saying like that i'm not i'm not saying like the actual like figure himself like the model itself but like like uh, but the feeling you the the feedback that you get when you when you tilt the stick for movement on my well I, and i think I, i'm okay with that because in east that's like fine. yeah i'm not saying i'm not saying i'm not saying it's like a bad thing i'm just saying that's like it threw me off guard yeah because in east like i'm trying to I, it's I, it's been a while since i played um eight or sorry nine but like adel's default jump height like if put like for a real person he's got insane hops he can like jump the height of a person by default so like clive has like a much more like normal like his jump doesn't go very high it's more of a normal jump he's not a basketball player which is gives like movement and weight and momentum to to the character yeah if there's one complaint i have it's like it's like the the max like run speed is still like a little that i what i'd like to like it to be but, yeah, I was uh, hoping to like not... press the button to like give me like give me like a sprint, like a Zelda sprint <laughs> or, a, or something. And I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, oh, nope, there isn't one. You just you get yeah. what you get, and I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, so that's oh, it's it's fine. I I think the goofiest part is like those uh, QTEs to like uh, uh, break through doors and barriers. I, I don't oh, yeah. know why they put that in. Pressing R two, that's that's to open right. the door. Well, that, and actually, that was my first. This is my first time booting up my PS five and since. Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. So the first time I had to like uh, push open a door and it did like that haptic feedback on the shoulder button. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a thing. That's actually kind of neat. I don't know if You're it's like, like oh, the God, best. My, my, my I don't like. I don't. I don't know if this is the most interesting or best implementation of it, but it's neat. It's better. <laughs> I, I think I like it more than not having it. Um, mm-hmm. I do also like. So we'll get more into the combat uh, in a couple moments, but there is, and I don't know how I feel about these, but there are like two main key QTEs for either like 
a stylish hit or a stylish evade. Cinematic, uh, yeah, cinematic uh, dodge or cinematic, cinematic strike. Yeah, and cinematic then, invasion. And then I saw a, uh, it was a viral tweet of you're fighting. So one of the mini bosses that you fight is a Malboro, only they're called a Morble. I don't know if that's from another. That's what they call them in Final Fantasy fourteen. Makes sense. Uh, but I'm Alboro. Uh, and the, like, it's a cinematic uh, dodge. And some streamer, like, very smartly was like, I wonder what happens if you just don't hit it. Like, the timer runs out and then just resets. Nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> first that... one, you can't feel it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why it's in blue. I, I, I never actually failed any of those, so I didn't know, like, or the, I didn't actually think to, like, check, like, the... I, I think they made the QTs way too easy. It has, like, a 10-second window of, like, not fucking it up. I mean, <laughs> so you gotta wait until like New Game Plus Hard Mode, which they announced details yeah, I for. Wish, I wish the difficulty no. was like that available from the start because uh, I actually find the base game very easy. It's like yeah. Yeah, I, I was like barely even scratched. I, I think it's one of one of those things. Like, yeah, I I don't think like the real difficulty is gonna come until like a uh, subsequent playthrough or whatever it is. But that, like, and I guess the first like the time through is like getting used to it and like getting all your abilities and stuff like that for it to carry over until you get a better sense of like how much you want to do. Uh, I will say that like the, it does make a pretty nice like kind of um, ramp up to like the because you start like the the base game demo that you have in the demo is just kind of the opening hours, so you kind of get the very very uh, early game combat of like you don't you don't have like your your icons yet. You're just getting used to like, hey, you have like a one icon ability with the, with the Phoenix, and then you have like your basic um, like sword combos, and then you can kind of unlock new abilities with some of the ability points that they give you that you earn at the very beginning. So like the very first two things I got was Enemy Step and Helmbreaker because I'm fucking DMC brained um, like that, and then I got and then I got Stinger right after, and I was like, okay, this feels a lot better. Um, when, I, when, I just got the this. basic combo. Sadly, mm-hmm. the force slash, the magic ender. No, I was I was already interrupting like uh, like enemy animations and enemy step because I'm fucking DMC pilled. Um, but um, but then like you and then after you like kind of beat like the that demo, you'll unlock this iconic challenge where it gives it kind of warps you to like a, a a later into the game, but with more abilities. Um, and that's kind of where you kind of get your first taste of like what the real combat flow of the game is because they give you uh, a clive that's like you know somewhat leveled up and he has he has three move sets he can switch between like the fire the wind and the earth icon move sets and you can start kind of messing around with like what do, what does this feel like what the, what are these moves what what's the flow of combat once i'm starting to manage multiple sets of icon abilities uh and that, that that's kind of like the first like kind of real showcase of like okay what what am i signing up for and if this is like kind of like what i'm signing up for i i think i think it has a lot of real potential and and if you're able to like mix and match them uh uh on the fly i think the biggest problem if there is a problem with combat is that some of the enemy does feel they're a little bit itch, hp sponges they take a little while to kill i'm not sure if this that's just me I don't know. I, I think it. I think it does have that problem. Like, um, for like, like enemy mobs are like kind of fast to kill, but but if it's like like meteor mobs, like Gigas, for example, it does kind of feel like kind of a, a chore because you don't have like a lot of your abilities. So I think that's kind of like the natural first playthrough problems of the game, where like you're gonna feel weak and it's gonna things are gonna feel slow because you don't have like your abilities. But what, what like 
that that's kind of why like I kind of like the iconic challenge because like hey you actually do get cool uh, tools to really fucking rip and tear through enemies so like if you start like like say maximizing staggers to like the well type iconic uh, earth like abilities you can just fucking shred through HP like a motherfucker uh, like that or once you parry them with uh, with an iconic shield you know to get that mini stagger on them and give yourself an opening so I think it's one of those that's why they put that in there where like hey like combat might seem slow at first but like once you start getting uh, like uh, more abilities you can start really speeding it up once you start like taking advantage of like stagger with uh, stagger openings with a healthy amount of abilities under your belt does that make sense of course it does (laughs) so i mean i'd I'd like to be able to say like oh yeah i breezed through this demo i will say i breezed through the first roll fight and the marble fight i did struggle a little bit on the the final fight of the demo which is like a dragoon and by struggle i mean like i actually had to use potions that's what i mean by struggle like I oh guess. man i find the dragons even easier than marlboro <laughs> that's uh, I, the, the marlboro i thought was super easy and I, I adam was actually watching I, I wasn't streaming it to adam but i was chatting while i was playing it and i'm like i'm gonna try to beat this fight without using heal items so that was the only reason it was challenging is because i refused I, to use a potion it's like you but, know the dragon's gonna jump at your face when the you know, there's a little attack ability that pops in the top, right? It's like, he's going to do double jump. <laughs> yeah, like He's going to jump at me twice. Yeah, th- thank you, UI, for telling me that his ability is double jump. Oh, he's going to uh, land My twice. favorite part is, if you play Final Fantasy fourteen, they got Astinian. He's like the everyone's favorite character from Final Fantasy fourteen. who's a dragoon, and he voices this dragoon in both English and Japanese voices, just That's to have, have him as a cameo here that gets fucking murdered by Clive. Spoilers. So I mean, I I, th- I think the thing that like kind of deflated me from the demo. I, I know it's gonna be like a one-time thing, right? Because like, but the these icon fights, like the ones that they get they gave you, is like Phoenix versus Ifrit, and it's kind of like this extended real shooter sequence throughout it. And you're kind of like just not doing much. You're really doing it for spectacle. But even then, like, it's kind of you're kind of just like I just held that down the button. While moving the cursor on Ifrit, and it was like, yeah. You know is... what? If, if, if there was NG Plus, like New Game Plus, I would like to skip it. Like in Final Fantasy VII, where it was like, oh, do you want to skip this bike chase battle? Because that'd be great if, it, like, if you could skip. That. I don't know if you can, but that'd be great. No, it's like when you see it first time, it's like, yeah, this is fucking epic as fuck. But I don't think it's kind of like a scene you want to like kind of replay after you've probably seen it once already, sort of thing. Because I don't think there's like much like leveling elements to the icon fights. I think. Yeah, and I'm hoping I'm hoping like this kind of like this like the the lowest point of it. I'm hoping the other icon fights are like really cool and involved. I it's do more think it's more of a narrative piece than, than anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, I know there's a demo, but I I did I played on performance mode, and there are definitely like noticeable dips in frame rate uh, throughout the demo. Um, I was trying to play it in graphics mode, and you say it was unplayable. But then again, he's like a PC gamer. If anything is not 60 FPS, it's unplayable to him. So. I mean, like, I mean, like, yeah, the like during battle parts, I, I it felt like it held up 60 FPS somewhat well. But then, like, once you get to like a busier, like the town area, like at the castle, for example, you know, like that's just like performance is all over the place. On the, that, the, so. the castle was all over the place, and then there was one part I mean, quality mode during that icon fight where it just went to a crawl it was sub. oh yeah even performance was like fuck man but 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 for me i was like oh at least you know you're not really doing much anyway so it doesn't (laughs) yeah probably the biggest like i remember you could probably go back to one of our older podcasts where they focus one of the trailers there's been like a thousand trailers i don't remember which one i think like the third (laughs) one where um 
they focused it on the icon fights. And I was like, you know what? They, they talk about how each one plays a little bit differently. These are kind of neat. But the one that's in the demo is kind of like, eh. I mean, I don't hate it. It's just it doesn't elevate this experience. It's more just it's an interactive cutscene, slightly better than QTE, maybe. Yeah, I, I kind of wish there was like at least like one or two more mechanics you can do as Phoenix to make that fight more involved and I, be okay. I think I mentioned it like after I got back from the preview that I felt like it would have made a lot more sense if the first time you played as Phoenix, but the second time you played as Efrit. Yeah, I don't know how that worked, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> That'd been a really, a really nice perspective shift. Um, but th- th- what do you guys think about like? Uh, did you guys try the iconic challenge after you beat the base story demo? Yeah, I did. Um, but I think I forgot to turn on the settings. It, it set the story focus, so I got easy mode. It was like literally, like when you're about to get hit, the QTA like just pops in so you can dodge. I was like, yeah, yeah, you have to, you have to uh, unequip those items. I saw that when I was like, uh, when when you first uh, control Clive in that, they already have like some of the items on you. So I was like, oh, take that shit off. Like, I'm not even playing the game anymore at that point. I, I mean, hate to say people who need it, you know. So, I mean, you know, but that's how I, I feel when I'm playing that yeah. mode. Yeah, I mean, there's no shame if you if you if you need that to make it more enjoyable. But yeah, but um, but I I think I think I the the game started really clean for me once I saw that iconic challenge and like I to mess around with that and that's like okay, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. But I'm I'm looking forward to the full game. Like it's just around the corner. I'm gonna be kind of no lifing it and see uh, if I'm if I don't make any sense next uh, next week when I'm talking about this. It's because I played too much of it. Uh, I'm definitely invested in the story from what it sets up in the demo. So I I, I have pre-ordered. You know, if they were worried about pre-order sales numbers, I you got one from me. Yeah, yeah I thought the pre-order it. <sighs> I thought the little bit of story shown in the demo was done pretty well um, because. Only one thing I thought was a little bit rough, but it introduced you to Murdoch right away as like the night captain. Then you go off on your little side quest to introduce you to Wade and Tyler. And I thought that was a little bit strange, a little bit contrived, where it was like, before you join us at Phoenix Gate, you need to fight some goblins in the marsh to prove to your mom that you're capable. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's a bit strange. But I did appreciate it because it gives you hands on. Uh, you know, it introduces you to those two knights. So then when you're in the Phoenix Gate segment later with when everything's going down and Wade's protecting Joshua, you're like, fuck yeah, Wade. <laughs> like, I, what a bro. So I think in that sense, I thought it worked really well. Obviously, I think the, uh, the where the demo ends as a vertical slice was done pretty well as a starting part of the game. So I don't know. I'm intrigued. Uh, I, you know, it clearly sets up some stakes and introduces like the wider world. I think basically three of the different uh, Crystal Kingdoms are are given a look in in the first couple hours of the game. It is cutscene heavy, but I actually kind of appreciate where like, all right, I got those out of the way, you know, because obviously it carries into the full mm-hmm. game. So I'm like, all right, now when I go to play this on the 22nd or whenever it releases, uh, hopefully, well, it'll probably be right at the time. You'll skip, so. A few hour cutscene, right? Yeah, after. More, <laughs> more, more cutscenes. But uh, I, I think uh, it, it, for me, I didn't know this. I don't remember nothing knowing this beforehand but i didn't know that like you for a small segment controlled joshua as well i was like oh okay i guess i I remember they brought that up somewhere it might have been at one of the pack showings but i remember reading about that like there'd be a josh segment i'm like oh okay and then i think that was that was a good narrative bit too because like you play as joshua he casts a spell then immediately like has to catch his breath so it's it's a yeah, good gameplay it's a good gameplay narrative uh mix i was like holy shit you burned that fucking dude alive and he's like oh 
Oh my god, right. You need to, <laughs> you need to calm down. He is down. fucking OP, okay? He gets Karaga, okay? He can cure for 9,999. <laughs> you don't even need any healers with this guy in with you. Oh, and then uh, that's another thing that I thought was a little clever story element. Early on, uh, you know, Josh heals um, Clive, right? And then later he's healing... Uh, is it Tyler or Wade? I think Tyler. It's Tyler that's injured. So it's so it already introduced that concept early on and then brought it back in that segment. I'm like, all right, you know, this, this is pretty smart. It's well laid out. Oh, I have a confession that I remembered from this demo. So at the, you're not the very end of that uh, icon fight when Ifrit is like uh, casting Hellfire mm -hmm. on it. I failed that. Uh, timer. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, can you fail it? But if you if you if you don't stop, I did I did it with a little blip of his life still love, and it fucking smoked Joshua. It's like, and no, no, game no, over. no, 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 you still fail it, even if you do clear the DPS track. But I mean, I mean, but but like you 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 still fail, but you but you kind of get reborn. You get you get full HP again. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, that happens when you, do, when you yeah, do yeah, DPS yeah. But 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 for me, I didn't get that second win. It's like the first time I I uh, I I failed. I got a game over screen. It design failure versus narrative failure. And, and then I I didn't have to do the, I didn't have to do the entire fight. I had to like uh, I just see like the last like dynamic cutscene segment and then and the, into the timer of that. And I was like, okay, but you know, I was like, if I had to do a fucking quote unquote fight again, I was like, oh fuck. I did. I did it because I thought I had to like. For some reason, I thought they had to like hit the fireball first instead of afraid of like. Wait, no, you have to hit afraid, and then and this is like okay. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm getting like. Isn't there some? Isn't there some RPG where someone's like launching a fireball? Oh, I was, I was thinking of um. What am I thinking of? There's some RPG where someone's like charging up like a like a DBZ fireball attack, and you have uh, to. It is the Genki Dama, the spirit bomb. No, it's not. It's not actually a DBZ game, but there's there's some game where you or someone's charging up a fireball and you do have to actually attack the fireball to to blow it up. But I forget what. No, it is. but I'm just saying. Like, I showed this fight to my friend. And it's like, oh my god, is it for doing the Genki Dama? <laughs> I was like, okay. So that that was just basically me being fucking. I don't know what brain, you know. Like I was thinking like another game. And I was like hitting the fireball. I'm like, oh, it's not that. <laughs> well, so you might not be able to to fail the Malboro dodge, but you can fail the free Hellfire. There you go. The, the the Marvel fight, I only got hit like once, and not get, I felt good about that because I didn't have to mm. at all. I was like, oh, I was kind of a fucking gamer. I, I do like the, all the themes of the fight and that boss music that plays. The music is, is really good. good. The music it's is really good. The music's really good. I really love the the sound that played when Jill and Clive are on the balcony. That's good. So I, that's I like. I, I like the little uh, just the, the general like kind of uh, banter music going on when they were celebrating uh, at the at the keep. Uh, when they got back from the, after the more ball fight, there uh, is what there was one part where they did Adam's favorite, my father, the king, where I believe it's the dad talking to the mom where it's like, he's just a young child of 15. And it's like, yes, reminding your wife how old your son is. <laughs> like, that's natural. story. That's natural. Yeah, to, dialogue. Be, to be clear, <laughs> the phrase, my father, the king is sort of my shorthand for like awkward exposition said on behalf of the viewer but really doesn't make sense in the context of the characters because they're like explaining something that to each other that they already know. Like, yes, you're the princess. We know your father is the king, but you have to say that so we know, so the readers know you're the princess, etc. <laughs> so, so there was one line where they, I, I think, I think the way I described it is mostly correct, but it was just saying that Josh, sorry, Clive was 15, and I'm like, oh, okay, thank you for reminding us through your dialogue that Clive was 15. <laughs> but that's, I'm being nitpicky. Like, I do like, like just uh, just side character wise. I like, I like all the side characters a lot, but I really like the King. I, I really like the dad. You know, mm -hmm. like, uh, 
what is it? The fodder figures are usually a scumbags in a lot of games I play, and the mother figure is the mother figure, but this is the vice versa. This is the dad being actual fodder figure. You know, I think that's kind of like a, a rare thing in, in RPGs these days for some reason. I think the world's just kind of like switched around over the years. You don't see much of the dad and being they, a dad. And, and they set her up as a good antagonist. So very easy to dislike. So I like, I'm looking forward to that being resolved. And uh, what do you guys think of the voice acting? I thought that was very good, especially what they got for uh, for Joshua. <laughs> like an actual child actor actually does like sound really good. Yeah, I'll, like... I'll definitely say I'll definitely say the voice acting is really good, and especially as it might go up, it might not because of the um, venue for the recording. But I did actually get to interview uh, Ben Starr, and uh, what's the what's the voice actor's name for for Sid? Uh, but isn't the voice for uh, Joshua, I think Brian said this, so I'm trusting him, the same as the voice for uh, Hugo in Plague Sale? Yeah. And he, he did, so he did same, some similar character archetype. I mean, well, and like they're like, so oftentimes, you boy. know, a, an actress will, will voice a young, a young, you know, boy. And that yeah. works really well sometimes. But there's something just slightly different where it's like, is this a child actor? They're, 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 they're knocking it out of the park. They're doing amazing. And then when I, um, I've never played a Plague Tale, but I was looking up like their IMDb. I forget the actor's name. Let me look at this. I, I should give them credit here. Credits to you. I think it's Logan something. I yeah. Let's see. It is Logan Heinen. And so the one of the first things I saw, like I forget it was like a Reddit page or a or on an IMDb comment, but like apparently like he knocked it out of the park as Hugo as well. Like apparently this guy has just got really good voice acting chops at a young age and he does an, an incredible job as Joshua in English. So looking forward to that. Did you also get a name for uh, the Sid, the voice actor for Sid? I think uh, James was trying to find that earlier too, and he has a really distinct voice as well. I was like, oh man, <laughs> when you awesome. hear it, it's awesome. like I was expecting that kind of voice. It's like it's very rough. I, I guess is the I'll, I'll just say that I'll say this: uh, Sid's voice actor. That's just how he sounds. <laughs> that's awesome. That's goddamn. Uh, it fits the character, I think, but it's just yeah. like, it's not it's what you very mean. deep and very smooth. Like, it's just like, fuck, man. I, I'm not really one for ASMR stuff, but I can listen to this dude all day. <laughs> something, something, read the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that he's just going to prove it, he's more OP than Like, if he did, like, audiobook stuff, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start listening to more <laughs> audiobooks if he's, if he's reading them. <laughs> uh, Sid's voice actor's name is uh, Ralph Innocent. Awesome. Well, I think I should probably wrap up our most of our thoughts on the demo. Of course, next week, floodgates are open and we're going to I'll make sure to ping uh, our reviewer again, see if he can join us uh, next week. But if not, Josh is planning to uh, no life it as soon as it launches. So we'll just lean on him as a backup. Spoil the ending. Spoil everything. Just kidding. Well, and of course, uh, you know, we'll be uh, we'll be very open about, you know, what we talk about next week. So we will timestamp it very clearly as we try to as we try to do. All right, before we go into the huge slate of news, um, Josh, we earmarked a small section here carved out for you to wrap up your concluding thoughts about what you introduced last week, and that is your time with Diablo 4. So last week you had just gone through Act 1, you talked about your character, you talked about your experience with the story so far, you talked a little bit about progression, but you had said that you hadn't quite seen Endgame yet, you didn't quite know how that was going to work. So uh, I believe you had told us right before cast that you had 
either just finished or just approaching the finish line? How far have you got? I, I, fin- I finished the main campaign a few days ago. Like, maybe like yeah, I guess. Ago. Yeah. What, what does it mean I to finish Diablo? Diablo? That's what it means. Yeah. Yeah. I did, I did the main storyline. I finished it. Uh, I, I did solo World Tier 2 type of stuff on that. I, I respect my Frost Sorcerer to like a Chain Lightning build, and that was a lot more fun uh, to go through. Um, I was kind of surprised with the story. Like, I kind of dug it by the end. It's kind of like it uh, for me. It's like a lot of the establishing um, stories, like in like Act One, Act Two, and even like bits of Act Three, early bits of Act Three. I was like, okay, I don't know where it's going. But like, once it got to Act Four and Act Five, like when when you start, because you, basically you meet these, uh, like I like I mentioned uh, last week, like in Act well, Act One through Three, you kind of meet these characters, like side characters. Uh, going through their own different plights based on like either either Lilith, Lilith uh, uh, approached them or approached someone they loved and like it's kind of like the after effects of that and like what that means for them how kind of how disastrous Lilith has been for them and trying and they're kind of investigating what she wants and ways to stop her and like they they all these characters kind of culminate and come together like in like the last two acts of the of the storyline. As as you start fighting, like you know, like some of the, like the the main antagonists, because there's like other perpetrators helping out uh, Lilith and kind of fighting out. Okay, like say you get introduced to this like a uh, uh, cultist named Elias, and you know, and like that he's immortal, so trying to undo his immortality. What does that mean? So you have to kind of go around the world uh, trying to find out, like you know, what's the reason for his immortality, you know, and kind of investigating that part. And kind of like pushing forth on like this final, um, trying to get, trying to one up Lilith, Lilith and trying to find out exactly like where she at, what she wants. Eventually, this will lead, like, you know, down to hell. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, and, and finding out like what, what she wants to do there. It kind of, the, the way it's presented is kind of like stronger than I, w- I would have thought. There's especially like, um, some story cutscenes in there that's like, okay, this is actually pretty well, um, presented to you uh during these parts so i kind of uh, oddly enough enjoyed like the like the final parts of the campaign and the finale though i will say there is a character death that was like so unbelievably pathetic that like i was shocked i will say who 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 uh got this treatment but i i will i, I will equate it to like they're like this kind of like really kind of badass person and they and they kind of um went out in a in a way that's like equivalent to like like the like in hell there are like some of the walls are like kind of like the souls like the souls of the damned kind of like kind of painting the walls and like this person got like too close to it and like they poked him at his hair at his stomach and like that's kind of how he died it's like it's like wait really this is how you die what it's like it's kind of the most one of the most pathetic nuts i've seen in like in a in a game lately it's like that's when you, like when, so... you, when you said pathetic i didn't know if you were gonna be like they use it as like crappy motivation for the protagonist or like try to get some narrative intrigue that doesn't quite land but you notice literally he died in a pathetic way yeah, he or died. They, or they, or they died in pathetic way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's like kind of like that's kind of weird that the, the, this person just kind of it's like you know bit the dust right right there. Um, so the, I started uh, thinking about like, okay, what am I gonna do? Like, I want to know like what Endgame is like. Uh, just kind of the early parts of this before I like start uh, going through it proper. 
Uh, I have other friends who have played put a lot more time uh, into this game, and a lot of them are playing hardcore. And you can't pair, you you can't uh, party up uh, hardcore characters with softcore characters. So, um, what I had, what I had, uh, one of my friends do is he boosted. Uh, I made a new character. I made an alt. I made a druid hardcore character, and they boosted me up to fifty because the way it, like you can boost up a character from one to fifty with the help of someone like in an hour. Uh, with the way th- these games, uh, this game's um, experience uh, sharing works and stuff like that. I was trying to get a feel of like, what are people doing at Endgame? And right now, it's kind of like a little bit of a mess on that end because there's this thing called Renown in the game. And uh, I interface with the system, um, you know, a-, a little bit. I was going through campaign because as you're going around this open world, you're uncovering parts of the map, and every time you uncover parts of the map, you gain a little uh, bits of renown. Uh, renown. Uh, once you, uh, you know, uh, complete like optional dungeons and side quests, you get a little bit of rena- uh, renown. Ugh. I keep saying renown. Uh, and like in- inventory, are... inventory, tomato, tomato. Yeah, there are several thresholds as you're like uh, getting more renown, where you're gonna um, get like uh, skill, uh, skill points, ability points first. So that's kind of the their real um, value in them, and as you're like exploring parts of the world, there are these things called altars of Lilith. That like, but you obtain these altars of Lilith, you'll gain um, like a minor stats to a minor permanent uh, boost to your stats for all your characters. So there's uh, actually account wide on them. Um, but every time um, you start a new character and you finish a story campaign, you have the option to. Um, skip the campaign entirely. It's like okay, that's cool. That's uh, you don't have to do all the story again. You to to start like just leveling a new character. But once you like um, start a new character, because of the way Renown works, like your whole entire open world map is covered by by, by the fog of war again, and you, that's how you kind of gain Renown again. Is you have to go all around the world and uncover the fog of war, and also redo like all these dungeons and side quests for renown and kind of like a big slog at the moment at this end game like if people want to make like alt characters if they want to like get those uh, like further like additional skill points to up further optimize their build and get the, the most that they can out their their alts they have to go through this renown grind to get those skill points which you know it kind of sucks so they they had a developer live stream like i think yesterday or the like a few days ago um they kind of uh, Blizzard uh, had some of the key staff um, talk about like you know what they're gonna do with that because it's still preseason. So as you're going to season uh, season one, you know people are gonna make new characters for for that season, and like they can do about renown. And I, I guess they're working on some form of like being able to like um, carry over renown progress in the sense that like you get the skill points that you get through it. I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that. I'm trying to remember it off of, like the top of my head. Um, and like avatars of Lilith progress as well. They're trying. They're trying to work on that and not make that grind the more tedious. So we'll see how it actually like ah uh, how it actually pans out. Um, once it gets deployed, um, there are also like just other things that people like that the community has found that like the like things that are just kind of like broken in the game at the moment. Like resistances, for example, like elemental resistance, like fire resistance, ice resistance. Um, that whole stat, all those stats, like right now, are just like kind of fundamentally broken as people have found 
and really dug into the game. It's like these stats don't like the only like defensive like defensive value that actually works is like armor at the moment, and uh, and those resistances don't help, don't really help. So you know, uh, that's one of the things they kind of mentioned in the brought up in the the live stream uh, for for the game. And they're like, you know, that because of how complex it is to kind of fix that, we might not see fixes to that to like season two. It's like, okay, well, kind of, that, that that's kind of like a like kind of a weird thing to kind of hold off on because, um, I, obviously the production pipeline, you know, must be very very busy, and you know, a lot a lot of like the the reasons why some of these updates are delayed is because of uh, like certification process they want to have something more substantial for cert process they don't want to like keep on paying the fee fees for certs for like small fixes um uh continually like that so it's kind of like frustrating that like some of these fixes are kind of being delayed because they want to have it obviously deployed on all platforms simultaneously but because of the cert process as well on that end so, and and that's and you know resistance is kind of like a weird one because a lot of people like a lot of people are playing on hardcore and like if like some of these defensive um systems aren't working as intended you know it kind of like places a bigger risk on having a hardcore character on that you know and there's there's already been a lot of like you know a lot of bullshit deaths in the community due to like just like stability. i've seen a few headlines that are like so and so lost their 140 hour hardcore character at a loading screen or something like that yeah yeah (laughs) um you know so it it, there's definitely kind of sucks on that end you know so it's kind of it's still you know not not the roughest launch it's not like as bad as like launch diablo 3 uh it's hard to be worse than that but you know there's definitely been people are not haven't really been happy with like the way that like they've been handling uh stuff and like kind of on these hot fixes that they've been kind of doing it's kind of they're, they're kind of taking back on some stuff that like you know kind of made the game more fun for people and then they kind of take it out so it's kind of obviously this kind of classic tug of war of like okay are at some point you got to fix these things or else people are just gonna fucking dip out so that's kind of a, like where, where i'm at at this point it's like i'm gonna Try to explore more of this end game and see how I feel about it. Uh, get a uh, more substantial hold on it and see. Well, I want to get like some like a solid grasp of this now and see if like that improves in season one. Because like it's kind of a tricky thing of like how am I gonna if I if I do end up writing a review for this game like how when am I gonna do it? When's the right time to do it? And how do I like where do I slot that in? Because right now some of the things that I, some of the things that I'm kind of frustrated with is like this renown grind like. If I write about it now, it it won't really mean much in like say like two weeks when like the first season starts or three weeks, you know. So uh, I have to start thinking about like okay, yeah, li- live service games what, are hard in terms yeah, of like. Yeah, when's it going to make sense to like write about this? Pretty much. So, but there, but uh, this kind of, this kind of like um, this kind of like concluding thoughts for now until like we get into the the, the first season. Maybe I'll, you know check back in and see and like report back and seeing what what the state of this game is and at that point right now we're kind of in preseason people are just kind of like doing their exploratory phase on this game and seeing you know what works what doesn't and um 
you know, uh, try, try to get a, at least a finger on the pulse a little bit and seeing where we're at. But this kind of like, oh, it's it's one of the bigger RPGs this year, so it's kind of important for at least to get some sort of like you know foothold in that. In general, though, it seems like as someone who's played Diablo three but not four yet, just the word of mouth on Diablo four. And I know you've brought up a few the a few things where people are frustrated with the bugs and the support, mm-hmm. but. When I remember when Diablo 3 launched, of course, it had the specter of that auction house dominating yeah. most of the conversations. But then in addition to that, I don't think anyone enjoyed that story. That was like Blizzard at its lowest in terms of storytelling. Yeah. If I remember right, WoW expansions at the time weren't being well received. This was had a had no story. Overwatch was, I think, still in the pipeline at that point. So that didn't factor in. But that wasn't really story focused. But the, here it seems like people saying like the story actually is pretty darn good. For, yeah, it's actually you know, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, uh, so. I, I was, I was like, I, I really, it, it makes me wonder like what the expansion for this game will uh, will be because I, I imagine the finale. I'm not gonna say that I'm not gonna say anything about the finale, but like, there's definitely bits about the finale that I can see them have an interesting lead way into an expansion, uh, like sort of basis uh, pillar. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm really looking forward to like seeing what that looks like. You know, whether we see it in a year or two. And with that, we'll go on into the news section here. So the news section, obviously, we have several different showcases to go through, and that's kind of how I bundled these together. Uh, We're going to probably spend the most time talking about Xbox. They probably have the single largest number of headlines relevant to our coverage, but we do also look in the uh, the Capcom showcase. RGG did a little bit of a follow-up on some of their stuff announced at other showcases, uh, PC gaming show, and then a few other things that kind of uh, filtered in outside of those specific uh, events as well to to wrap up the week. So probably spend the, probably like the next hour here or so going into all the different showings at Xbox. Um, I'll probably open up with the Persona announcements. Of course, these fortunately or unfortunately, the trailers themselves leaked ahead of time. So we covered that as our headliner last week. And with, with the caveat that we said, hey, we're going to get the official publisher information um, at the Xbox showcase, and then we did, and then it filtered out after the fact. Uh, they did exactly what we thought they might, is that they announced Persona 3 Reload for early 2024 and Persona 5 Tactica for uh, November 17th at the Xbox showcase, specifically for the Xbox console, Windows, and Game Pass. Then we had to wait, how long was it, Adam? 48 hours to learn that these will also come on other platforms. Uh, Persona 3 Reload will be launching on PlayStation, Xbox, and PC via Steam. Persona 5 Tactica will also launch on Nintendo Switch. I did see some people look at some store listings trying to argue or speculate that Persona 3 Reload will also come to Switch, but that has not been officially announced. So as of right now, Tactica will be on Switch and Reload won't be. Um, One of the bigger headlines for the week also is that Persona 3 Reload will not feature some of the specific content from the FES or the Persona 3 portable version, specifically the female MC or the answer epilogue. Adam, what are your thoughts on Persona 3 Reload? So Persona 3 Reload is like one of those best kept secrets. Being sarcastic. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, we talked about it last week, obviously. So... The thing is, is like for years, people have been saying, you know, Persona FES and Persona 3 Portable both have, you know, elements and components that the other don't. 
the other doesn't. And like, it would be excellent if we could do a remaster that, you know, has like higher quality, you know, models like the Persona 3 dancing uh, character models that has the FES uh, updates, the epilogue and the content, as well as the female protagonist protagonist. Like that would be ideal. That would be perfect. Because right now it's hard to say like which version is the best because uh, they all have things the other doesn't. And personally, I'm actually I actually like the answer. I know the answer is kind of a, a um, mixed bag in terms really of reception mixed. as an yeah. epilogue. I like it. It's more uh, pure dungeon, it's more pure no. dungeon crawler. I like the theming of grief. You know, it's not a th- topic that a lot of games really go into, like actual grief and what characters do when they're grieving. Uh, but uh, anyways, I feel like it's almost a missed opportunity for them to basically say, "Oh, we envision this to be." the original Persona 3 experience, so that's what we're going to remake. Obviously, they're going to have some new content. I think they specifically said, like, for example, the original Persona 3, like, the male party members don't have social links. Uh, so they're not... I, if I understood the some of the updates correctly from, like, Famitsu and whatnot... They still don't have social links because they can't really just add social links. Is that weird? That's weird with the balance of the game and you know how many social links there are, how many days there are, stats and all that. So you can't just pump in a social link, really. But I guess the male characters are going to have like extra little events and stories to try to flesh them out a bit more. So like it's not just the original Persona Three with a new coat of paint. There's going to be new, some new content, but I still feel like it's a little bit of a missed opportunity for them. Like, why not have the female protagonist, you know? Like, and why not do the answer and, you know, maybe make some adjustments to maybe make it a little bit less uh, mixed or whatever. So I'll still play it. I still think it's an interesting idea. I just missed opportunity, I think, is the key word here for me. And one of the main things that they talk about, at least at a high level, is reworking how Tartarus works. They haven't given specific details, but they've said it's Mm going to get a visual overhaul. You can sprint. Uh, We don't know about other more concrete. I, I know some people were like, thing. what if Tartarus has like fully designed dungeon floors now? And that's not there's, I, there's so many, you may, I, I played persona three portable recently. There are so many floors, like the, there's, there's a total of 250 floors of Tartarus. Yeah. I, there's no way that they're going to be like all bespoke yeah. design. I mean, there might be like more variety. There might be like, maybe a maybe like a couple of different types of floors that they're like different categories that you go through yeah so so but, they, they, they kind of laid this out in the four gamer interview so but before okay. we, we, we uh go to tartarus like you know going to your point about like um you know i think it's all about implementation and how they're gonna have like these new side story events that are for, to explore the, the, the backstories of like the male social links that you would have found in male social links in the persona 3 portable like I think, I think that it's really key how they implement that because it feels too mechanical or uh, tacked on. It'll feel really obvious and unnatural uh, in that sense. And I was like, okay, that'll just make the the absence of the female protagonist view all the more prevalent and kind of more frustrating. And I definitely understands like like people's like frustration with that. It's like um, of not having the female protagonist there. And I try, I try to like also kind of think about it like like you know realistically like. How much more? How many more years we would, we would have to wait for this game if they added the female protagonist as well? Because I don't think because the like for people who don't know, like switching to the female protagonist in Persona Three Portable isn't just like a sw- a, a swap, uh, a character skin swap. Like you actually have like co- like a lot of content um, that's unique to the female protagonist. 
like entire like a, a lot of new social links that only show up in the female protagonist route and uh how certain scenes play out with the female protagonist it's not like just a, 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 a like a model swap uh on that it's basically angle. it's like not entirely a different game but it's like a bigger difference than like say the jump from like persona 5 to persona 5 royal yeah yeah so um so, so i'm just thinking like man they would have to like basically almost read do the entire game again on top of like what they also remade so it's like it's one of those it's like it's frustrating because i know like i'd like that as well but like how do, how would that realistically fit on like on a production pipeline because they're also trying to like work on like the next persona as well whatever that is so that's that that's tough that's tough and and like the answer is one of those i know for a lot of people it's like uh, take it or leave it i'm with you adam like i really like the answer in terms of like uh, it's very very gameplay focused and it's also has, has it's very it's it's a way more different tone that you see than the rest of the game and like and, and deals with topics that you didn't really see in rpgs at that time that all that much i don't um, think i would still be positive replaying the answer i think i also didn't like the gameplay aspect of it i know it's all dungeon there, crawler there, there, but... there's a lot of bad aspects of the answer in terms of like the like bosses like the generic bosses have our hp sponges just like it took forever like there, there's definitely some rebalancing that like it, like you know you could you could argue for in the answer if and if I remember properly, in the answer, you can't even use the persona. Was it the Recorium or whatever it's called? But there's no, there's no compendium. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's very like painful trying to fuse the right persona in there. It's like I don't know. I don't know if you can play that. But I, 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 I get it. I get why people have their uh, like. For me, I just like I kind of like the the challenge aspect to it because it may, I had to make you I had to make you it forced you to think about things differently. You always didn't have like the the most elegant solutions to problems. So there's a lot more scrappy in that aspect. Um, in terms of Tartarus, what they said about uh, about in the four gamer interview uh, with it, they, they said like they they added elements to kind of spice it up. It's still going to be like like the layout of it's still going to be randomly generated, but like the aesthetics of it are going to change depending on like when you get new sectors, it'll look different. Um, there'll be like breakable objects. There'll be like uh, more uh, conversations with your party members. Oh, yeah, breakable objects. Yeah. So they're definitely like kind of add more things to kind of spice up like the the exploration aspect of that uh, thing. So it's not just like a almost like an isometric view and like kind of like sprint for the staircase as fast as possible. They're trying to make it, you know, more more engaging from floor to floor. But obviously, they're not going to make it more. They're not going to handcraft each and every single floor because it's not like every single floor will like matter, you know. Um, uh, on the, on that uh, in that respect, I uh, I believe they also said they're taking out like elements like the fatigue system. No fatigue, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, they each each subsequent entry kind of lim- minimize fatigue anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for people who don't know, in Persona Three, um, as you're climbing up this vertical tower, um, after a certain amount of time, uh, you explore in the in this like kind of midnight hour in this phase where you can like where most of your gameplay via fighting. And RPG leveling is done. Um, char- characters will get tired um, after a certain amount of time, and then uh, you can still explore, but it makes it way more difficult if they're fatigued. I I forgot if they kick you out after after a certain point or not. No, um, some characters um, in FES. I think in FES when a character was fatigued, if, if I remember correctly, they were like lower accuracy, much higher chance of getting critical. Yeah. which in a in a press in a not press turn in a once more system. Uh, critically is uh, is is uh, really really bad. Um, 
in Persona 3 Portable, they made it just so, like, if you were fatigued, it di- I don't, if I remember correctly, it didn't really change how you acted in battle, but you just couldn't go to Tartarus the next day. And maybe I think you had to, like, go to sleep earlier. Oh, maybe. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was about it. Like that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the, there'll be, like, it'll be more feasible to, like, kind of get to, the, like, the, if you want to, if you're the type of person that likes to, like, kind of do big, big, big swaths of progress on that end, um, you can now do that uh, without having to worry about fatigue. Because uh, that was always kind of it, it, it was it was like a nice system on paper because you're trying to like at that time it was a very experimental RPG. Atlas was like uh, like trying to combine like uh, a traditional turn based RPG with kind of like a daily daily life sim, and they were starting to experiment with this on paper. You're like, okay, well that daily life sim, like you're exploring out at night. Obviously, you're like you know realistically you would get tired after a certain point. So they try, that's why they. Kind of that's yeah. kind of the mindset they have. Yeah. For the I think the original though. intent was just like you would do a couple of floors a day, do a couple yeah. a little bit of socializing, a couple more floors, but just how people actually play these games is they kind of go do these. They want to do as much of the of the dungeon in like one go. Yeah, and, so, and, to, and to be clear, like that, like the Persona Five Royal team is on this game, so it's very much like a lot of that talent that was in the Royal team. Was moved over to Persona Three Reload, so that's why you know a lot of it looks a lot like Persona Five Royal. Um, so uh, when they were talking about stuff like, say, what like what uh, like what aspects are the are we, are they going to keep from like Persona Three Fest and Portable into this? So it's not like they like yeah they took out the female protagonist and um and the answer, but there's still like quality of life improvements that um, that they're bringing back and also. You know, some of the, I, I assume like the Igis social link will be in this game, like you know, in some way, shape, or form, because Igis Igis is such a beloved character. It wouldn't make sense, you know, for it to take out like you know, um, stuff that they added in uh, subsequent releases of Persona yeah. Three. I think some people took the original IGN statement or interview yeah. like no FES content, a little too literally. It's like yeah. it's not like they were going to like even saw the trailer too, like yeah, direct control over party members. That was something that was introduced. Yeah. You know, importable. Importable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so we'll see how how that all kind of blends together as we are leading up into launch early twenty twenty four on this. You we mentioned this that this game is not coming to Switch, right? Yes. Yeah. If, right, not right. coming to Switch. Some people are trying to wishful think that they're holding it for like we already talked about how Nintendo is the one platform holder that really hasn't had like an equivalent of a summer showcase so they're holding it back for that it would clearly. be really strange if they announced that tactica is coming to switch but hold it off held off on persona 3 That's yeah, like, knows. Okay. and and like the people are looking at like store listings and like sometimes those can't be accurate but oftentimes they're just a lot of stores a... just guess like we yeah. want to get pre-orders in for this so let's just say it's coming to switch that we you know we'll we'll play the numbers like there's a good chance it's coming right and they don't know so yeah, um, they they also mentioned uh, in the interview that um, it was technically possible before, but it was a, a huge pain in the ass. But that it is possible to max out all the social links on your very first playthrough in Persona Three Reload. You can do that in the original Persona Three. It's just like a gigantic pain in the ass to do yeah, so. I think, so I, mentioned that more... a, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast. Um, not only is it just like the number of days and the number of social links, but like the way that female social links worked in the FES release, like if you got too many women up too high, they would get like jealous. You mm-hmm. couldn't have multiple girlfriends. <laughs> and yeah. So you had to be very careful how you did it. Yeah. You'd they they to, were a lot of you'd, you'd have to get like Yukari to 10 before you could even start with Mitsuru or 
something you know i'm to be honest like, I, like I, I i know that like people like doing this now because of like you know the, for maximum optim optimized gameplay but i kind of yeah. like like that aspect for soda 3 yeah, like, um, <laughs> you know like well, why would you why would you ever encourage like two time you know <laughs> so just like one of those things like i get it like it makes the game more fun from like a gameplay perspective in terms of like uh party capabilities but yeah they're they're making maxing all s links you know easier and reload so we'll see how that how that works in this game so that, that's kind of like the early kind of tidbits that we got out of that like you know following the announcement of this obviously there's still a lot more time and then we'll see what you know how this all comes together i'm very excited like i'm persona 3 is a really 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 just like important game to me yeah i mean it's really a it's a, it's a seminal game in terms yeah. of like imagine going from persona 2 which is you know a like not really social like a mm -hmm. high school themed dungeon crawler ish game to like adding all these social elements that were completely brand new to these sorts of games in this sort of fashion. And now that's basically its own subgenre. Yeah, it's, it's very formative. It's, it was something very like, it was an Atlas like, I would say. You know, it was, you know, you don't you think about like Atlas like this until like Persona 3 came out. Like if you were like a fan of Atlas and like kind of, kind of kept track of like what they released, like it was like when Persona 3 was first shown in Japan. You're like, what the fuck are? What is this? This is crazy. It's it, it's like it was very unique and like novel at the time. It's not one even just person. Like... One person described it to me, uh, like Atlas at the time, the way they worded it was almost like, like punk. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like almost like punk. Like they're into like they're not satanic, but like, they're they're, they're they like they like their biker leather jackets yeah, and they like leather jackets, the goth. They have like uh -huh. all their all their games. SMT has to do with demons. Yep. you know they're dungeon crawlers. They're hardcore. All of a sudden, you get like Persona Three. And, like what? it's like very like 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 city pop. Uh, yeah. kind of a total. I mean, there's shift. still obviously some very dreary. Yes, dark it's, components. It's, 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 for sure. it's one of the darkest Persona games. Yeah. Uh, I argue, but um, still. <laughs> Yeah, and even yeah, and you're thinking about like the shift in like music design as well. Like, like I've been listening to a lot of Persona 3's OST this past mm -hmm. week. It's like, yeah, that was a very just formative time in my life. Like that, that was so cool. Like, like you didn't think an RPG could do this, you know? And then, sure enough, it's like, wow, this is crazy. So that that's this is really this is really exciting. Um, we'll see what we'll see how it goes. I um, I want to hear the new English cast. I, yeah, they, they, yeah, let's talk I, about I, it. I am so hyped to play it with a new cast because uh, there are two like okay, the original English Flash was actually really good. It was pretty solid, but there was two miscasts. I would say, in my opinion, that kind of kind of ruins the overall experience. That I'd rather just switch to the Japanese when everyone's kind of like consistent instead of having two major characters. In my opinion, that are miscast that are, that are ruined for me. Yeah, Oh man, not not her. No. Oh man, I, I, I like Luca. But yeah, so that they also mentioned um following the this announcement that they're getting a brand new English cast for this. Everyone's been recasted. And obviously this is makes sense, you know, it's been a lot of time since the original Persona 3 uh release, you know, getting the the way that uh contracts in the West work, you know, it's always kind of like a shifting thing. So it's kind of I'm all for see, hearing like a new a, a new voices, new new uh takes on these characters and seeing uh, what the new cast 
can do yeah, with this. I'll, I'll miss like Liam O'Brien as Akihiko and Tara Platt as Mitsuru, but I'm here for a fresh face cast too, you know? Yeah. So you have Alex Lee, uh, Lev, uh, he's Lee. Luke from Street Fighter, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, he's, he's, the, he's the new persona, th- th- he's the new voice for the Persona 3 protagonist. I, I love what people say, it's like he just, just does grunts and say persona names. How hard could that be? It's like, oh, sorry, bro. Just, just imagine his uh, his like recording session, like, all right, Alex, we got like 300 demons' names you need to yell, okay? All right, let's get started. <laughs> yeah. Sandblast. No, he has to do the, the creepy kid that comes in. <laughs> comes and give you your memo to sign at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Don Bennett as Igus, uh, Alejandro Sab as Akihiko, Susie Young as Fuka, uh, Zeno Robinson as Junpei, Justine Lee as Ken, uh, Allegra Clark as Mitsuru, uh, Justice Slocum as Shinjiro, and Heather Gonzalez as Yukari. And that's our initial um, uh, cast uh, announcement for um and and yeah and we don't we don't know the the rest of like uh the other side characters they'll probably you know unveil that as time goes on um they also mentioned um in the four game interview that they're have they're they're gonna start fully voicing um like the social links uh events as well so you'll can... oh they're going that full they're yeah in the original yeah. game only i think the first and the last yeah voiced. so they're they're planning to do all the social link events all right uh, they need to nail the french guy the actual french dude. <laughs> Hey, that that social link is pretty decent. Uh, it it leans a little bit into like he's definitely like a weeb, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the only um, I I, I want to know what they're gonna who uh, they're gonna cast for like the dying man. Uh, yeah, that, that's yeah, my favorite actually. social link of all the like all all the personas. So sad. I was like, oh fuck. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that everyone that I think that are doing the social links, I think everyone hates. Uh, what's his name? Was it Kenji? KG? Whatever his name is. The one that had an affair with his teacher. Or he tried to have an affair. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody remembers that social link. It was terrible. I don't know there's how they would do it. I forget her name, but there's also like the the sort of popular girl. Oh, and yeah. Some people like that link and some people hate it. It's very <laughs> mixed. Uh, is it Chihiro? Chihiro? No, not Chihiro. Chihiro's uh, like the other glasses, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. not that link, It was link, like a right? blonde girl... I know who we're talking about, but I forgot her name. Yeah, that's how, that's how I immediately recognize, like, no, that's not your hero, then. She's kind of like a stuck-up, sort of snooty sort of person, and then the social link kind of brings her down to earth. Yeah, uh, yeah. Can't remember. That's too much. I'll look it up as we continue on. Yeah. But, well, spe- um... Go for it? I was gonna say, like, well, speaking of Atlas being, like, this goffy, emo, poppy kid on the uh-huh. <laughs> So, we... Unexpectedly, I believe this was a surprise to basically everyone. We oh, yeah. finally got the announcement of what Atlas Studio Zero was working on with Project ReFantasy. And at the Xbox Showcase, Atlas announced Metaphor ReFantasio. Originally announced just for Xbox and Windows, but then later revealed to also be coming to PlayStation and Steam. This is a new IP set in a fantasy universe, so not set in Japan like the Persona series, but borrowing seemingly significantly from a lot of not only like Persona 3, 4, 5 talent vibes, or not only just like the, the setting and the vibes and like how it just comes across, but literally from the same development talent as well. Uh, it's got Maguro on the soundtrack, for instance. Uh, it goes through the entire, you know, development staff as it goes through this introductory trailer. Yeah, uh, yeah so it's like there's the classic, like, uh, like Holy Trinity of, like, Keystat. Like, yeah, Hashi does the director. 
Sojima's the character designer, and yeah, as you said, um, Shoji Meguro is the composer. So cla- classic, classic, like uh, you know, the Persona Five key staff um, working on it, and yeah, this is basically I, I like I mentioned uh, in staff chat at the time, like this feels like a spiritual sequel to that Persona Three, Four, Five formula. Oh, uh, one second. The character I was thinking of was actually in Persona Four, not Three. Oh, I'm fixed up. I'm thinking of I. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's so, so like you know, it's a very like you know, as you imagine, very stylish trailer. They, uh, you saw some uh, some things in it that look like personas, but I think they're called like armaments uh, in this game. Um, there's uh, there's a lot to unpack. There's there, there's some sort of like job class system uh, in this game, which is kind of new uh, in the, in this framework. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know where you want to start. This is kind of this. This looks insane. This yeah, looks insane. And, yeah, for sure. Because the main girl there is voiced by Haya, man. It's definitely going to play it. I, I have to play a Japanese. I know. Child, shut the fuck up. Yeah. So it, it has some cool like demon design. Uh, the art style. It's it. It reminds me more of Shin Megami Tensei than it does of Persona. It's got like these like the crushed blacks by design a little bit. Um, there's there's like, like this watercolorish. Like, yeah, the, the 2D art has right. that. And the, the, the UI is very, very stylish, as we come to expect from Atlas. Um, the, even like the 2D art and the, and like the menus is, is really quite neat. Uh, you, I mean, this is the sort of trailer that you could go frame by frame to like look up what the different like social link statuses are. Uh, I'm trying to figure, I'm, try, I'm, clicking, I'm clicking through the trailer right now, like the different parameters that you can level up. It's yeah. a calendar system. Uh, there's, a, there's a section where it shows you like making uh, like bonds with your party and they have like classes like thief knight fighter seeker in terms of like what roles they play uh i'm just looking at the ui here uh call power yield turn team up there, there's a lot you could like speculate on exactly a, how this like system works rewind, yeah yeah. That, that, yeah that's kind of like the well, yeah, one of the like, big things that people saw it's like why is there like a rewind feature here mm-hmm. And they you know, also borrow some of like the terms that you would find in other Atlas Is this a Mega Ten game? <laughs> but then, but then they kind of switch it up. Like, like the, the wind spells are called like Gossick and Gossiclo for some of them. So and, and then there, there's like yeah, it's just it's a it's like a whole it's a whole thing, man. Where like there's there's some parallels too. Like the person, like Persona three, four, five, and then there's like some things that's like no, and then there's some systems that like like the class classes that's like oh no, that's different. So I wonder what how what you do with them, you know? Um, and you, you know, you got some of the character names uh, on this uh, from the some of the um, the the UI screens. Like they refer to like the main characters, like the traveling boy, and then like the one of the characters like Stroll. Hulkenberg, that's a good name. Um, Heisme, which is like kind of like a creature, and then Galica looks to be like a, maybe a Navi type character. It looks like a. Fairy. I think one of the UI literally says Navi. Oh yeah, Navi. I see it. Yeah. So like um, the, that's the fairy that's in the key art. So probably important. So this is a very. I'm glad this is a le- this didn't leak. Imagine if this leaked with Persona Three Reload and um, Tactics. That would have been like kind of like a little bummer. It's sort of funny that like it didn't leak, but apparently like the uh, the Korean upload of the trailer, which no one saw for a few days on Twitter, showed like the actual platforms this game is coming to. 
I was like, well, yeah, yeah. Like they almost had it. They almost had the announcement how they wanted it, and then they oh, linked the platforms. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of curious to see like what, what your thoughts are like on the general like premise, the setting. Like, there's a lot of flourish, like Renaissance era type of like aesthetic to it. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's. It's like modern magic fantasy. You know, it's like a mix between like Atlas. They actually had a message from Hashino on this, and they're really emphasizing it as fantasy. But it's not like the type of fantasy that you know I, I typically associate with it. There's it's, there's some like modern like almost modern day sort of flair to it. It's kind of like a mix. Well, even the, even the modern. even the opening of the trailer, they act like this fantasy for world is like a reflection of our own. So like there's there's a, there's a trailer of just uh, a modern cityscape, and then they say like, well, on the other side of the veil right. or whatever, this is the fantasy realm. So there's a little bit of that the, as well. Uh, the I'm trying to think what the. Uh, the game's tagline is enter the mirror of reality into the pinnacle of fantasy. So yeah, it's like some sort of other world. Yeah. And, and like a lot of, a lot of like this, this, the UI text, like makes me wonder, it's like, there's some, like, where, like there's some sort of calamity timer on this. And then like, I think the thing that really like kind of trips me up to is like when they have like the overhead map that to go travel to other regions like it shows you like the weather condition in each of these regions uh, for a brief moment it's like why does why does that matter <laughs> i wonder you know it's a oh, lot to that. yeah so yeah like like uh, when you uh that dude with like the the glasses and the and the white hair um like the regions that show it they're all cloudy for example and like i don't know why you need to know that but okay sure so um this was a really nice surprise uh, it's coming sometime next year um i'm really really curious to know more this looks really fucking cool you know i mean they've been working on this for a while so <laughs> you know yeah. i'm glad to i'm glad to know that like it exists like it's a it's kind of weird now that like we're at almost this point like oh my god maybe grand blue relay's gonna release this year and project refantasy next year like that's that's like i don't know that's I'm weird gonna be able to <laughs> Presumably, play that uh, relink uh, demo at Anime Expo this year. Oh yeah, oh, that's right. I'm, I'm I'm happy for you, dude. I'm I'm really curious to see what you think of it. So good luck, and you, like you might be able to to finally get hands on relink and confirm yes, this is a real video game, you guys. This is this is less than two weeks from now. Like I said, still gonna be busy for the foreseeable future. Uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, um, metaphor re fantasio. For now, I suppose. Now, uh, just to be clear, this game is only officially announced for Xbox Series X, S, and X. No, it it, it got it got it but, got uh, added. Wait. Not it leaked. Like they haven't. They they didn't mean to announce the other platforms yet. Oh, so Sega Korea's upload is still the only place they no, see. Yeah, that. and they deleted it. So. Oh, okay. That's gotcha. what I mean. Like they haven't confirmed it. Like it, we know it. But they they can they confirmed it before they intended to confirm it. Correct. Gotcha. That's what I mean. All right. So like, there's going to be some point in the future here where they announce metaphors coming to PlayStation and Steam, as if we don't know that already. Gotcha. So, yeah, no, I get it. Uh, while we're staying on the Sega Atlas front, um, we also got a new trailer for a new game in the Yakuza slash Like a Dragon series. So we got this interesting new trailer for a game titled. Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth. It is a very kind of hammy, cheesy, silly trailer, but it is kind of an interesting, uh, it features Ichiban. 
showing up on a beach that was later determined to be like a, a beach in Hawaii. Uh, he is not sure why he's there. He's not dressed. He's just wandering around, not sure what's going on. And when this trailer first launched, my I wasn't there when it was live, like when the showcase was going on, but it wasn't clear if, because we knew about the man who erased his name. We knew about RGG8 being announced last year at the RGG Summit. So when this trailer first launched, it wasn't quite 100% sure what this was. But uh, Sega and RGG quickly um, revealed that this is, like a dragon infinite wealth, is the English Western release's name for Like a Dragon 8. It is the sequel to Yakuza Like a Dragon. And this feels like word salad because the naming of the series, as it has shifted between entries 6, 7, and 8, and between Eastern release and Western release, has been a little bit of a mess. And then even just a couple days ago, RGG on their official Twitter page tried to elucidate and substantiate the naming and why it is. Dude, but you have to write a five paragraph essay on why you why you like, chose this name. I don't know, man. Like, like it's one of those weird things, right? Like, I get why they did this, obviously, because like if you stick a number eight at the end of this, it means uh, automatically means less sales, right? Uh, demonstrably. But it's just one of those weird things that like, it 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 kind of feels like when you first show show this at the Xbox showcase and everyone's wondering if this was a spinoff or not. I feel like fundamentally speaking, your first wave of messaging already feels because people are wondering, is this like the main line or spinoff? If you didn't get that point across like right away, like it, I don't know, it, it didn't work. It, it didn't, so now, now they had to go make another fucking Twitter PNG with a five paragraph essay be like, okay, this is why we named it Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. I, I have two things to say. One, I had a friend who was actually able to like watch this presentation before it uh, aired, and they didn't have any context to anything, and they thought it was a spinoff, and they actually told me, hey, they're announcing a spinoff. And, and whoops. <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> like, that's what they thought, based on what they saw. Yeah. Also, like this is actually just kind of makes me mad, almost. Like, the official upload on the Sega account only mentioned the Xbox platforms, which like a dragon eight was already announced for multi-plat. So it almost didn't make sense. Yeah. Like, Oh, this must be something different because we already know eights for other platforms. So this one's not. And then, then like six hours later, literally six hours later, they re-upload the trailer and it like in parentheses says multi-platform. And it's just like, this is like, we are used to these sorts of like, if a game is shown off at a certain platform holder's presentation or if like they, they hold back a platform for a day or two, but like this is a new low where like they take a game that's already previously announced to be multi-platform and then they like pretend for six hours that it's not any uh, like anymore. And then like six hours later they say, actually, yeah, it is. It's it's, like, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? It's so, it's so dumb. It's so dumb, but it's like it's it's. But that's how you maximize their the, getting the look, fucking bag look, 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 <laughs> from, that, from Microsoft. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say it's like if Microsoft wants to pay people money for this literally pointless endeavor, like I mean, all the power to them. But come on, guys, like no one's fooled. Yeah, yeah. I, I so I mean, at the end of the day, like we're we're all playing the same game, right? So we're not we're not getting like a, a, a we're not getting anything like different from like Yugagotoku 8 like you know we're not getting a different game we're still all playing the same game at the end of the day and that's what matters so 
you know, the, the this is revealed for all those platforms, and then coming early next year, um, it looks, you know, it's gonna be a fucking wild ride. It looks like so on top of like the the crazy uh, scene with Ichiban, uh, you know, ending up naked in Hawaii for some reason, and all the fucking people have to be going, oh my god, <laughs> like hell yeah. It was a great trailer. It's like it's like yeah. a very it's like one of those things. It's like this is like simultaneously like the most Yakuza trailer ever, and simultaneously the thing I think it's like I never thought I would see Yakuza as well. <laughs> and like it's like yeah, I love Ichiban, dude. It's so good. Um, they also showed off at the at the RGG Summit. Um, you know, a, a new cutscene uh, from the game with like an interaction between uh, Ichiban and Kiryu. Uh, Kiryu with his fucking K K pop hair. Um, mm. You know, and I, I won't. I won't Charlie really say Chinogu what they, hairstyle. Yeah, I won't really. I, <laughs> I won't really say what they talk about because I think I feel like it's story spoilers, and for people who don't want to see it, then you know, I don't want to spoil it for them because there are some like big like story developments they talk about there. But I think it's kind of cool, um, just like them getting more like heart to heart like moments because you didn't really get to see that in Yakuza Seven all that much, a tiny bit. But I really, you know. I really, I'm more, I'm really interested to see how, like, how these characters, like, really bond with each other now that, like, kind of the pretenses of, like, Yakuza 7's premise and plot are out of the way. It's, like, a lot less low-stakes situation that they find themselves in when they interact in this cutscene. So, that's gonna be fun. Um, They showed off more new footage of, um, like, a dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name at RGG Summit, just, like, kind of interviewing, like, some of the cast uh, in that game. And also some of the gameplay styles, uh, you know, you shit off the Yakuza style, um, which once again, like they they keep trying to get away from this Yakuza name. They call, they refer to it as the Oreo style, but then like that's the name of it in, in Japanese. But then they re- they localize it to the Yakuza style, in in the West, even though they're trying to get away from the Yakuza name. It's like, okay, yeah, then that more correctly translates as like Dragon style, right? Yeah. So, but they're like, nope, Yakuza style. But it's not like okay. the series anymore. It's like oh, whatever. So uh, it is crazy though that this is early 2024. So it's possible that they're going to release like three pretty big games with Ishin, uh, the Gaiden, and Yakuza Eight. I'm, well, I'm uh, just going uh, to call yeah, it Yakuza Eight sometimes. I yeah, yeah I, I mean, yeah, well, the, yeah. Uh, the Yakuza Eight is early next year. Uh, the man who raised his name is November. This November. Yeah, the, um, and then since Ishin was early this year, that's like three pretty big titles in yeah. like a 13, 14 month window. That's they're they're cooking. Over there at RGG. <laughs> the best part about that uh, presentation is that you get to the agent style. They show more about, like, you know, uh, him getting Spider Man, gra- like, you know, powers with his fucking. Oh, well, well, why, like, why does he have Spider Man powers? It doesn't matter. He just does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can summon drones to confuse the enemy and agent style. So you just see a fuckload of drones kind of like like swarm uh, enemies. And there's also like a, a, a scene where like he's like lighting a cigarette, uh, uh, facing his back. On like a, like a whole group of mobs, and he, th- he flips the cigarette back. And it causes a massive explosion, <laughs> just fucking disintegrating all the fucking people around. It's like, yes, Kiryu has never fucking killed anyone for sure. Vorya <laughs> though, he is a fucking ruthless motherfucker. <laughs> I'll mess her off with this dude. Uh, I love this stupid uh, series. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a fun. It's gonna be fun. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And you know what? Shouts out to Sega. At least you know in general. Like getting both Persona and Yakuza like on a full worldwide simultaneous release schedule, um, you know, for both of these massive, massive series now, and mm-hmm. like kind of like all the logistics and all the fucking structural framework inside the company that they needed to probably pull off, like all these years later to like make that happen, 
like kind of getting all those the production pipelines and localization efforts all on the same page to make a, a simultaneous worldwide release happen like that's fucking insane that's not easy you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that's crazy so i'm really happy like it's weird to see that like yeah first like smt persona atlas aside that's like they got them on a worldwide simultaneous release schedule like holy fuck well, I something remember was, it, it wasn't that, that long like, ago when we were like, you know? it wasn't that long ago when we were like, wait, Persona 4 Golden's coming to Steam? What? And now we're like, yeah. oh yeah, they're they're releasing on like, of course, and Steam. Like, that's just how it is. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just, that's cool. That's cool that like, they, they we're now living in that era that like, yeah, these are just all worldwide simultaneous releases. That's awesome. We have a couple titles from some Xbox first party studios that, of course, were shown at their showcase games that we've been waiting on for a handful of years now. Uh, in no specific order, we did get a another look since the initial very short teaser at the upcoming Fable from Playground Games. Now, with all of Xbox's first party showings, this is probably the one that is the furthest out. And the trailer was mostly more. I remember before this showing, they, I forget if it was, um, Aaron, what was his name? Uh, Greenberg. One, or Greenberg, it was either Greenberg or, or Matt Booty. One of them was saying like, everything we're going to show is, uh, no cinematics, all in engine, all play. And then this one's kind of like where they're like towing the line a bit. Or sure. I'm, I'm sure it's in engine, but it's mostly like narrative of a character speaking to, uh, the, you know, the audience, it's kind of setting up the world and then it later realizes he's a vegetable farmer but then you realize that it's kind of spoofing jack and the beanstalk and he's the giant is the, is the whole conceit of this trailer and then the the heroine shown in the trailer is jack in this in that setting so it's it's more just like a fun little trailer it doesn't show anything really kind of subs- i don't want to say substantial because it sounds like i'm judging it but the it's, game looks like in terms right of, yeah i mean it, it's it's good that like they're keeping the tone uh uh, uh, uh free spirit nature of fable right because a lot like some of the rumors early rumors around this fable reboot was like they're kind of making more a gritty tone um that was like kind of like i don't know kind of concerning at first like i don't know if you want that like fable Without kind of like without kind of the the wink wink nod nod sort of like kind of humorous yeah yeah, yeah um, so I I haven't played the the original trilogy but like Fable has always been coming across as this is the whimsical fantasy RPG series yeah, and if it, if it had lost its whimsy it's like do we really need another grim dark take itself seriously fantasy game like I'm okay with this being it's not my personal preference singularly but I'm glad it exists in terms of like we've got a lot of variety. other fantasy games that yeah for the sake of variety just have a have a whimsical fantasy game with that sort of tone and the, this and this trailer even though it doesn't tell us a lot concrete uh is promising to see especially because there were yeah. like a lot of rumors that you know fable was being rebooted remember there was rumors about that and things like you know so out of all the different showings for xbox it's well i i say it's the one that's furthest out but actually one of the other ones they showed also kind of cheekily said that we're not committing to a release window um that's the one from in exile but before i move on to that i don't know if there's really much more meat to chew on for the for the fable showing here uh, not too much. I mean, I, like, I, like, uh, like I said, like you said earlier, like, like yes, there's like all in engine, and like hopefully, hopefully, what what we saw in this like this trailer is like representative, like the actual visuals we'll see in gameplay, like some of the animations we saw of like the the the, the heroine mm-hmm. uh, in it. Like, it'd be nice to see like that visual vitality and its animations as well be representative, like what the what the actual player sees. That'd be cool. But I really wish there was like actual like you know more 
gameplay of like what, what the player sees like if, you know if yeah if anything seeing that trailer it seems so much unlike what previous fable games have been that i, I i'm kind of skeptical now until we see actual gameplay yeah <laughs> yeah so like well you did, like I, i'm okay with them taking like a more a, a, di- a different route just keep that stuff like keep that musical tone but I, I really need to like know more about these systems, you know, what what's going on under the hood in this game. Like, you know, what what is the like what is the player doing with the controller? <laughs> yeah, that that's a question we're always gonna ask ourselves with every trailer. What is the player doing with the controller? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh so the the other game that I was teasing into is that one of the ones that uh I was actually kind of quite looking forward to is that when I played Wasteland 3 a few years ago, that put NXile kind of on the map for me. I never really played Bard's Tale or their earlier titles, uh, but now I kind of see them as like, I'm really interested in what they're doing. And NXile announced their new project. It is a kind of, it reminded me a lot of a uh, kind of like a um, Bioshock Infinite in terms of tone. And that is Clockwork Revolution coming to Xbox and PC. This is a first-person RPG that is very much gear punk. It is like gear punk distilled in terms oh, of steampunk. like. Well, I mean, like I would say it's uh, steampunk is kind of the general oh, steampunk is what they use for it. I think. Oh, okay. I would call this gear punk, but I guess those terms oh, are nebulous. But uh, it very much reminds me of like when I was watching this trailer, I'm like, this is just Bioshock Infinite in terms of tone and art, not in terms of reception or gameplay. Hopefully. But uh, they, they, like I kind of uh, preambled, they kind of cheekily said coming, and then they said in due time. Like they're not, they're not committing to a release date. But it seems almost like uh, also kind of similar to the Fable trailer, where there's some gameplay seemingly looking like like they're trying to like trying to spoof it in terms of a way. But it's it's mostly just in-engine cinematics. There's not what does the player do with the controller in this in this showing either. But they, they kind of do a little bit because you get, you get a little see you get a little peek at the time gun or they call it the chronometer. Yeah. Um, and it, it looks crazy. And like and it's like you're not using this to like kind of like shoot at dudes. You're using this to like 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 influence like the structure around you of like what the of what they've been or what they used to be and like um influencing the environment uh, based on like their states and uh, their states of like how they were and how they used to be sorts of deals and how that i don't know i don't know exactly how that's gonna interface with the gameplay systems but like the the concept of a time gun is cool <laughs> admittedly and um some people were asking, like, is this a more of an immersive sim? And then Brian Fargo, the studio head at Exile, is like, nope, deep RPG, full character creator. It just happens to be first person. Um, you know, basically, it's just a first person RPG, which is what Exile is known for. Well, not specifically first person, but within their wheelhouse in terms of what genre it is. So I'm excited for this, though. It looks like it's kind of further out like Fable is. I'm actually really, really excited for this. I, I did play Bard's Tale 4. Bard's Tale 4 is one of the best turn-based combat systems out there. Um, and then Wasteland is really good in terms of uh, characters, questing, writing, and XCOM-ish combat. Obviously, this will be a little different in terms of combat. It's first person. But um, yeah, I'm very interested in this game. Uh, like you, I played Wasteland 3, I played Bar Tale 4, and I like both of those games, so I'm eager for Good this. track record, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this this looks really cool. So yeah, we'll see how, we'll see you know when we'll hear about it again uh, yeah they I, didn't show a lot of like rpg elements in the trailer like 
uh, you know, what you expect in an RPG. But Brian Fargo, who is the head of the studio and he's been around forever, um, and the uh, in Exile Twitter account basically are saying like, yeah, this is a full blown RPG, all the crunchy number RPG questing, you know, stat stuff that you want. <laughs> so, and then the last uh, Xbox first, per I think it's the last major Xbox first party showing in our wheelhouse is a, a first look at Obsidian's Avowed. So this was first announced, I don't know, three years ago with like a kind of like a cinematic render. And this is their first time getting like actual, again, I'll say like gameplay or like gameplay like footage uh and it looks very much kind of when this game was first shown off it was very commonly and kind of aptly described as a skyrim like in terms of how it was presented and that's kind of what this trailer initially shows even though like the art and the voiceover seems to be a little bit more leaning towards whimsy not quite as much as fable but a bit in that direction however after the initial showing at the Xbox showcase, there was a follow-up with the game director, Carrie Patel, who more described the scope of Avowed as something more like Outer Worlds or Nice Little Republic 2. So something more on like the 30, 40, 50 hour uh, length and not a wide open, you know. Yeah, I kind of like that. that. That like made me go, oh man, thank God. Like I, I that's, that's like kind of reassuring to me. I kind of want this to be more like relatively smaller experience, but like still kind of beefy, you know. Right. And I, I saw some I people made when they made the comparison to Outer Worlds, I saw some response being like, well, I didn't like the Outer Worlds, so I don't like they're that. About, they're talking about scope. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's kind of that's, that's kind of my thinking is like Outer Worlds. I also thought was kind of mid. It was it had some good ideas, but also just kind of it kind of felt like you could like a shoestring budget, a little bit bland, didn't really kind of realize its full concept, which is probably why they're making a sequel to it. But Avowed being, you know, under development for a while it's slated they, this is the one game they did give a release window for just general 2024 we've already talked about how we have you know a lot of giant rpgs on the way late this year i don't need this to be a 100 hour rpg with endless quests that are radiantly like procedurally generated give me something that's curated something like 30 40 hours long go ahead literally in the same breath carrie said the same scope as knights of the republic 2 uh or the outer worlds like yeah they're talking about scope in terms yeah. of not not giant open world it's just gonna be like explorable zones you know and i saw some you know, people say like i want more mass effect scope rpgs i'm like you know what not 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 the same genre and or in terms of like setting but yeah like that that's a perfect length for a mass effect game probably perfect length for what for, for what about is trying to be you know what what's the coolest part about this trailer hmm. there's a kick there might be a kick button like dark messiah might and magic oh what other game had a kick? Oh, I'm thinking Duke Nukem 3D. Radiata <laughs> stories. <laughs> oh, yeah, the kick oh. on Radiata stories. Radiata yeah, stories, uh, you kick everything. Once I saw the kick, I'm like, yes! <laughs> I get to kick everything. This was, this was a cool trailer. Like, a, a lot of gameplay, a lot of fucking sorcery and swords. And mm. Fuck, man. We just, just fuck shit up in weird ways. I'm, uh, I'm here for it. And then one of the last things outside of the well, I guess one of the last things. One of the games I wanted to highlight here because I didn't realize what this studio was working on is that Xbox and Stoic announced a co-op action RPG called Towerborn. Now, Stoic, that was a name that I hadn't heard in a while. They're the studio behind who made the Banner Saga trilogy, which I put like 60, 70 hours into that trilogy back in like 2019 or so. And that is like a tough, crunchy, grim, dark, 
kind of depressing game. It's not it's not a happy game. It's like really like immersive in that sense. And they actually kind of call that out here in the um uh in like the press release for Towerborn from Stoic is that uh they actually say that in the press release, this is like official from the publisher, that Banner Saga was often dubbed as a depression simulator. So Towerborn is intentionally like more co-op friendly, more hop in, hop out, like just lighter tone. And I actually think that's kind of neat just to see like, you know, watch this little studio uh, kind of flex its narrative chops and try something with a little bit of a different tonality. Uh, tonality. And it has a lot of the same like really fluid 2D uh, animation that the Banner Saga had. It's a much different style of game. It's more of an action RPG where Banner Saga was much a, a grid based isometric uh, strategy RPG. But I just thought this project looked really neat. Unfortunately, it is also slated just general uh, 2024 but i was i actually it was like an unasked question like i didn't actually think like what is stoic working on apparently it was on towerborn and maybe that was already known i don't know if that was already uh announced through, so. but no, it wasn't so yeah this is a this is a, a pleasant surprise and one that i've kind of got circled on my calendar for next year making a because, happy simulator now mm -hmm. so yeah um yeah this looks really cool oddly enough i saw the, the trailer it reminded me of castle crashers um, a little bit so, yeah uh, just kind of going a co-op with, with that kind of side scroller sort of um, perspective. Much more, it, style it, yeah, and... yeah. Uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, it mm -hmm. looks a lot smoother. And I, I think the the thing that really caught my eye was at the end of the trailer too, like the the, the hexagonal grid uh, world. Like, what does that like imply in terms of like, are you like uncovering the map together, like on a gr hexagon grid by grid basis? Mm -hmm. um, seems neat. I, I I would like to play that with friends um, and see if they're up for it. And then the the game that I was kind of tiptoeing around earlier was, of course, the big, massive, endless RPG that is slated for this year from Xbox Studios, and that of course is Starfield. So Starfield had a official gameplay trailer as well as, of course, the full like deep dive hour long presentation of the footage. Uh, I will just be candid here and say I did watch the trailer and I poked through the footage, but I did not watch all 45 minutes start to finish. Uh, the impressions that I got from some people on staff and some people like mutuals online is that the gameplay showing for Starfield seems to have like brought a lot of people on board. A lot of people seemed really impressed. Uh, I don't know if that was the same vibe that you guys got from the from the direct for for this game or not. The game looks really cool. I just don't know if I'll have like time for it. It's a commitment. Yeah, I, I I was always planning to like get this game. Uh, so I mean, I I didn't need any more convincing because I'm I'm always kind of sucker of like very like new things from, um, Bethesda, mm -hmm. and so um especially if, like in a space setting, like uh, them trying trying to tackle this. So I mean, it's one of those weird things that like I don't know if they're gonna live up to the promise. Like honestly, because you know you know how it is with Bethesda games, right? Um, and and they they like this won't affect me, but like you know they're already they're they're already saying like before launch, hey, this will only run on thirty FPS on console on uh, the Xboxes, and it's kind of like that that weird thing where they're kind of bit of, like I feel a little bit too candid because like they're do they're they're frame capping into thirty FPS for stability purposes because they're like yeah you know when they're playtesting play at some point it goes over that because sometimes it's like forty eight sometimes it goes to sixty you know. And like it, but they really like make it more stable. We really capped at the 30s. Like, it's like one of those weird things. Like, I don't know if you'd like it. That feels kind of, I would feel bad a little bit if I was only playing this on Xbox and you said that to me. It's like, why don't you just make that like a toggleable option, like a performance mode then? 
uh sort of deal like uh, like just like warn people like hey this will have like you know it'll be a variable frame rate um if you're gonna do like if you, if you have the capability of doing higher frame rates you should let people you know like opt into that op uh, uh uh path that they want to if they're capable you know it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing but i uh, but on the other hand i get it because of the scope of this game as well because like uh, procedure generally worlds and like the way they kind of the all the interactions all the physics that they do and all the all the ai simulations that they kind of put into these sorts of worlds and not universe which is kind of you know must be really asking a lot especially out of the X- xbox series s so but in terms of like the way that like they, they presented like kind of the general gameplay flow of the game i really like the shift customization stuff they showed like kind of like uh have a, having a sort of like different a like interface and like kind of like a garage interface and, like i like how they make me like almost like a lego robot sort of spaceship and like okay that's sort of neat and like the starfield the, nuts and bolts yeah <laughs> uh in a way um and i really i really wonder like how like they showed off a lot of like the locales you'll be seeing like in, in throughout your journey right and i'm like seeing how often are you going to be able to like be visiting these like locales if you're like kind of be on a more explorer type of path where you're just kind of kind of kind of aimlessly wandering from world to world but you like because for me like you know you're you're touting like there's like thousands of different or a thousand planets in this it's like okay how much of them are they going to be like fucking barren wastelands you know that's kind of like there's some parts of this and i i don't i don't mean to like kind of like poo poo on the game i i don't but but there are some parts of like the that extended gameplay showcase that reminded me of No Man's Sky when they were like kind of marketing that game before release, you know. Well, I remember, and not not quite as much as No Man's Sky, but even Skyrim, they said endless quests, and what they meant by that is you'd go to the Jarls, and they'd be like, you, it'd be like Mad Libs, like you gotta go retrieve the dagger from the giants over in the southern cave or things like that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm wondering if like that's kind of where my flashback is when they say that it has like you know all these like how the scope of the game my eyes just kind of glaze over a bit i'm trying i'm trying to be like optimistic and i'm sure like if, if you want to just mainline it and focus on the narrative that's present that's the reason why I'm not criticizing it without actually going hands on is yeah. like if if you're not interested in exploring a thousand planets and figuring out how these permutations rise, then I'm hoping that the game is set up where you don't you don't have to. You can follow the narrative, you can follow the quest structure uh, and just proceed on that front. But if you really like to you want you want to build a fleet of ships and then go out and test them out and prove them in and do whatever you want, like it'll have that sandboxy element as well. So that seems like where it's really where they're trying to do it. They're trying to have this curated RPG, but also have this like sandbox aspect to it if you just want to let, you know, Wanderlust take over. I, I will say that it feels like they kind of gave up their head a little bit too quickly in that uh, extended showcase because like once they showed, hey, there we have we have like a dedicated build or like a, a build to like uh, make jetpack uh, uh, traversal like uh, a viable thing. It's like, yeah, why the fuck would I not want to do jetpack? That seems fucking awesome, you know. So like, I'm like 100 percent on like, oh, like how am I gonna build? Like, I'm gonna make that a fucker, a fucking jetpack person that like just flies around really fast and <laughs> is gunning down people, you know. Um, but I, I, it looked great. Like you know, like like, but I think about the pre-release Bethesda stuff. And like, there's always that kind of like that weird kind of where we are in tech now, and how much time they spent on this. They've really, really done a great job, like just making it aesthetically look beautiful before it even comes out. Like, 
it, before like Fallout games came out, like Fallout Three, Fallout Four, Fallout New Vegas, like they look. There was a certain appreciation that they like in the wasteland aesthetic, but they were like you know, but but it came to like character models and like kind of like the the landscape scenery. It's kind of like eh, it's like it's it kind of looks okay at some points, but in this one they have a lot more like a bigger color palette and settings to work with. So they they they're able to showcase like a really really like a big variety environment environments and color palettes, and that's kind of like the nice thing that really compels me about this game visually. It's just like. There'll be moments in this game where you're probably gonna go, "Wow, this looks fucking awesome," you know. And I'm really looking forward to seeing like getting those moments. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of already sold on the concept of the game, and I think one thing I'll likely try to do so I can actually speak to it is go ahead and set set some time to watch this deep dive uh, because a lot of people really walked away from it seeming really positive on it. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, the deep dive did what it needed to do. They showcased, like, you know, what the general flow of the game is and, like, showed more of it. Like, I I, I, like, I immediately uh, jumped to the uh, timestamp on space flight, and that just seems really neat. Like, I don't usually get big into, like, the crafting components of games. Even Zelda, more recently, like, I'm making the most rudimentary garbage. <laughs> but this, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to focus. I'm going to make a bomb-ass ship, and I'm going to I'm gonna take that out. And, like, I'm actually yeah, excited. Yeah, I, I want to try to make a Gundam. You know, that'd be great. If I could make a Gundam in this, that'd be all right. Uh, the, this game's... Uh, high up on my list that if i if i can viably do that i think that pretty much covers it for the big xbox showings uh it seems like one thing that's not quite our wheelhouse that people were disappointed by is that there's still not a release window for um hellblade when people are really hoping for there to be one yeah i mean it's just they, they need to come out with a release date or uh for this already it's been it's been a long time and like the like the 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 bits that they gave keep showing it's like for for me personally, like when they showed like the new bits of Gate Hellblade, it's like it's a lot of cutscenes. It's like, all right, cool. I mean, but is, when is it coming out? No, no solid firm release. It's like okay, I guess. I mean, take take the time that you need. But man, it's an you keep showcasing, you keep showcasing, you keep showcasing this game, and like and and for for what end? You know, to what end? Mm-hmm. I, I just hope it lives up to this promise. Don't be like No Man's Sky. On launch. The last game that I'll mention from the Xbox Showcase that I had slotted in at the end here is that uh, there was an action-adventure, almost like a Zelda-like, that was announced at the Xbox Showcase from a indie studio called Microbird Games called Dungeons of Hinterberg. It kind of has like a cel-shaded, almost Ghibli-esque aesthetic. Almost looks like Nausicaa a bit, uh, but with like a Zelda-type flair. And the gameplay trailer for this actually showcases, unlike the Xbox first-party showings, quite a bit of actual gameplay of this title. Yay! So, hooray! Uh, thank you for carrying the load, uh, Microbird Games. But, th- I don't know, I just figured I'd give this one a shout-out because it has like a lot of those action-adventure vibes, kind of in that RPG adjacent sort of space. So maybe not quite an RPG. Uh, but if I go to the Steam page, it is, do they describe it as an RPG? I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it's they do call it average numbers. They, yeah, I, and I they, 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 call it, they call it an action adventure RPG. So there we go. We take them at their word. But yeah, it's a fun little uh, cell shaded game, but also slated for uh, 2024. Um, but I wanted to at least give it a shout out here. Yeah, there's a, there's a good one. And I remember we shared this on our social and got a pretty good reception there. People thought it just kind of visually looked very, very uh, neat and unique. So that covers the biggest showcase of the week uh, and had probably the most bang for our buck in terms of a site, um, which n- not a surprise ever since Microsoft acquired Obsidian in exile 
and Bethesda. So there you go. The one of the other things that was being recorded pretty soon after our last week's uh, podcast was the PC gaming show, which is always kind of uh, it's either hot or cold in terms of coverage for our site. Um, this year, a lot of what PC gaming show sh uh, announced wasn't quite in our space. However, there was one announcement that I think took us by surprise that I think maybe Josh will be interested in, and that is the somewhat surprising announcement of Citizen Sleeper 2 Star Wars Vector. So this was kind of a sleeper hit uh, 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 last year. So uh, Citizen Sleeper 2, uh, no date for it yet, but set to release for PC. You, I think Josh is the one here that had the most to say about Citizen Sleeper 1. Are you excited for this? I'm very excited for this. This is kind of there's there's kind of a, a big dynamic shift on uh, what they've uh, shown uh, about like the first details on this game. Um, where like in the first one, you would let, you were part of this like space colony, and you would like learn to like live in the space colony, kind of like uh, make yourself at home, kind of uh, kind of uh, find yourself uh, find a place in society um, based on like you know you kind of came from nothing. You were kind of found in a garbage dump. You know you're like okay, how do I rise up from here? Uh, while in this one, this one really uh, kind of flips that idea on its head where, like, you're now on the run and you have, like, your own ship and your own crew. So you're kind of working out of, like, a ship now as, like, your main hub instead of, like, residing in the space colony. So they haven't really shown off, like, how this will exact what the gameplay flow is yet. But obviously it's going to uh, maintain kind of that, that sort of tabletop RPG sort of um, gameplay style that was in the first Citizen Sleeper where, like... Yeah, there's a certain amount of actions you can take per day, and then like uh, the the success of like what you do uh, in your actions is based on dice rolls, and um, and sort of like your your builds are um, all all revolve around influence dice rolls based on certain actions. So like there might be dice that you place on like say intuition, for example, and like your build might be like okay, you gain like bonuses based on like dice rolls you uh, you. Uh, you put into like actions that are based on your intuition, for example. So I'm very, very excited to see how what the evolution of their gameplay is. I really loved Citizen Sleeper, um, and yeah, I'm I, I was stoked to see that. I was like, oh shit, they're working on a sequel. That's awesome. I'm here for it. We'll just keep rolling on through to the next major showcase. Uh, another showcase that had made one major uh, kind of headline that we were expecting to see at this is Capcom's. 2023 summer showcase uh we already already we already talked about the initial trailer for of course dragon's dogma 2 we were expecting to get more uh information at cops capcom showcase and uh we did so they mainly talked about not only what is new and different with dragon's dogma 2 but also they kind of spent a decent amount of time talking about what is staying the same which i actually kind of appreciated so some of this was in um the initial kind of discussion about Dragon's Dogma 2 a couple of weeks ago, but kind of just reiterating that this is a, a single player game. It's still going to be, uh, and this is all from Itsuno, the director. Um, it's still going to be a single player game. You're still going to focus on creating a, a pawn specifically for your file. You'll be able to borrow your pawns from, from other players. Uh, and that's basically, it's Dragon's Dogma as you know it, which I actually kind of really appreciated. Then they kind of do go then into the differences. And one of the major things here is that and this is kind of similar to what Mirror Knight put together in their feature a week or so back, is kind of the missed potential of the of the of the first game in terms of the initial scope, the initial plan. So one of the major headlines is that Dragon's Dogma 2 will have a world size 
four times the size of Dragon's Dogma 1. And I kind of know that, you know, bigger is not always better. We just talked about that with Avowed. But with Dragon's Dogma 1, there were certain areas that you could always see or hear about but never get to. It kind of felt like that it wasn't quite the total the total vision of the game. So it's really kind of cool to see that they have the opportunity here to revisit that and kind of... Yeah, it, it's really cool the context of Dragon's Dogma because I think one of the main allures of Dragon's Dogma is like feeling lost in that world and kind of getting immersed into it and like trying to make the best out of like kind of like a bad situation around you because... Every Dragon's Dogma player will always have that moment in Dragon's Dogma where we're like, oh fuck, I am fucked. How the fuck do I get back to, sa- to safety? Like you might be like out of the woods, lost at night, and you're like, where do I, where do I go? <laughs> you know? You're just kind of like, mm, this isn't great. Like because monsters are like much more fierce at night, much more aggressive, and like you're you're running out of like lantern uh, light, and like your pawns are just like, what the fuck are we doing? I'm like, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> Um, so like again, like when I heard like they're gonna make the world four times as big, uh, four times bigger than the first, I'm like, holy shit, man, I can't even imagine. Like, what, what, what can you cram in that world? Um, what are you gonna fill it with? So, I'm excited about that because Dragon's Dogma is like it, 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 it is a world that I, I loved exploring by the end of it. Um, it, it felt very intimidating at first, but as you played through it and you like, you kind of went, um, you, you traveled all around, you're like, okay. This feels familiar now, and I got uh, I got a lay of the land, and it feels great to like travel in now. Um, the it's also really cool that like they showed a lot, a lot of like uh, uh, gameplay bits in this uh, extended look at the game. I like how like they're they're keeping like the how chunky that the hidden packs look. Like uh, there's like a moment in the trailer that like, you're uh, you're up climbing on like a, a a giant bird, and like as you're like stabbing that bird, like each hit it's, like still has like that hit pause like in the original. Uh, game where like you kind of just feel each impact of like your hits uh, on like as you're climbing up monsters. Who knew uh, how it, often we would be saying chunky in this podcast? Oh man, it, it felt so good though. If you like, if you played the game, you would understand. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's dragons. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I mean, I just want to release there at this point. Like, I'll do, I'll do anything in pseudo. I just want to play this game. <laughs> Fuck. Um. Yeah, Didn't people I mean, get upset when they heard that zone. The NPCs are like written by AI or something like that. Was it? No, it's not written by AI. Okay, there, there are these party members powered by AI called pawns. They are AI controlled, and that's not that's not written by AI. It's like the pawn misinformation the pawn, spreading. It's, it's, it's the old definition of AI. Yeah, kind of. The people yeah. like, oh my god, people fucking people just, got so worked up when they hear those two letters. You okay? into that propaganda chat. You're like, what did people say? It's like, no, they're not written by AI. They're fucking controlled by AI. Like, you know, like fucking every video game. <laughs> well, and then, okay, okay. This is all this information spreads, okay? We're nipping He's it in the bud right. here. But yeah, they all, they spend a decent amount of time in this uh, showing talking about just like the the improvements in terms of being built on the RE engine, having destructible environments, like, and physics related to the, the example that they give is like destroying a bridge or pulling the leg out from under a troll. Um, so, and, and then of course, just the AI behavior of the pawns being improved. That's a big thing about the first dragon's dogma child. It's like, you have your own, like you build up your own personal party member and then you recruit two other party members that other people have made, uh, that have built up. So a large chunk of Dragon's Dogma's charm is like um, building up AI behaviors of your personal party member as you share them with other uh, other people. So like 
I can have like I could theoretically make an AI party member that loves to like run in circles, like losing their mind when they see like a, like an eagle in the sky, and like you can like train that into like your personal party member. So when they go to when other people like borrow your pawn, when they see like an aerial creature, they'll run around fucking screaming and and scared shitless, <laughs> and they don't know what to do because that's how you train them. And okay, um, yeah. I remember when Dragon Sogma when it came out, people loved to just like repeat a lot of the chirps that the pawns would say, like "wolves hunt in packs arisen" or "snow harpies" or "I hear it gets it gets dangerous out here at night." Or you're, you'll just leave Grand Sorin from the front entrance. You're like walking out of town, and they'll be like, "This road should lead to Grand Sorin." It's like, yes, I know that's where we're coming <laughs> from. <Dave>. Thank you. <laughs> And the, the, yeah, that's like that's the, like the dumb charm of it. I think that's like that, that summarizes Dragon's Dogma in general. It's like there's a lot of dumb charm to it. I, I played a little bit of the original, not enough that I could get like a form like an actual opinion. I think I just killed like the first two bosses. I think that was it. Then I don't have my PS3 anymore, and I kind of lost access to the game. You can play I it on Switch. Hear it released on Switch in like 2019. There you go. Yeah, at least on no Switch, excuse. on Steam. It's like uh, that's it, Chow. It's time. It's time for you to fucking dive in. Okay, I'll I'll dive in, but not after not not before finishing FF16 first. One thing I do remember about Dragon's Dogma is the Dark Arisen like added. It's it's like it's like a gold version of the game almost more than it is like an expansion or DLC with the added Bitter Black Isle. And I just remember like it, it escalates in terms of progression and numbers like really quickly. Like you'll have like a natural feel RPG progression through the base game. You'll get stronger. You'll level up through your classes. And then you go to Bitter Black Isle and everything just has a crap ton more health. Then you can also do a crap ton more damage. Uh, I remember the, when I played Dragon's Dogma, when it first came to PC in like 2017, I did. I, I was thinking about doing a hybrid class, but I did like the straight wizard spec, like magic, pure magic. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the, I don't know if I was just playing it poorly, but uh, I remember I was fighting that final boss of Bitter Black Isle and I was just shooting like the low stamina cost, like fireballs over and over and over again for like 40 minutes. And that's how I beat that boss. I'm like, <laughs> the, like perseverance won the day. But that was probably like the shittiest build I could ever bring to that boss. Uh, so. Probably nice. more uh, a skill issue more than anything, is my guess. Oh, well, you, you worked within the game's parameters and you, you came out victorious. Uh, so I don't know exactly how the classes will work in Dragon's Dogma 2, but I'm going to try to force myself to... I, I tend to avoid hybrid builds in games because they're too complicated for my for, for me. So I'm going I'm to try it. Dragon's Dogma 2, I'm going to play like a Mage Knight or something like that. I'm going to make it work. The only other major piece of news from this week was actually not an announcement at all and more of a leak than anything. Um, and what this is, is on one of Square Enix's support websites, they had a URL that was not listed anywhere, but was you could find it by kind of iterating through the index of the URL itself. It had like a number at the end that you could just keep counting up to go through different logos of different games. And apparently some enterprising individual did this and found that a logo for Star Ocean, the second story R. So this is an unannounced remaster or remake of some sort for the Star Ocean franchise. Now, the interesting thing about this logo is that we learned about, of course, um, the remaster of the first game from a few years back where it had the new art and all that. But this is not the second evolution. This is Second Story, which is the original subtitle 
for Star Ocean 2. So this is kind of like yeah. an interesting, like, uh, what 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 does Star Ocean, the second story, are actually mean? So what, what are your thoughts, Adam? I mean, it could be meaningless. It could just be exactly like First Departure are. Yeah. It's just sort of interesting that they just called it second story instead of second evolution. You know, it might mean something. It might mean nothing. But maybe they have banned that anime art style that they included. In, yeah, uh, I've known several people, including some in our staff, are like they need to make Reina look more like she did in the original. Uh, all the characters look a bit different from original to PSP, but Reina especially went through a pretty dramatic change in her look. <laughs> and like no one feels like no one likes the new look. She looks a little bit younger. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I'm sure nobody here has seen the Star Ocean anime. Has anyone? Star Ocean X? I, I have. I have. Uh-huh. Oh, man. That, that, is, that is the worst way to do an anime adaptation when they just end right before this one and there's no this two anime. Yeah, that's so sick, actually. Um, what, what? I'm blanking. Who, what's the name of the artist that did the first departure? Anami. Yeah, Anami. I would love to see Anami art for uh, Star Ocean Remaster. I would love it because I don't think I like the original art too much, and the new art is is even worse. So it's not it's not much. Whatever they do, they need to start fucking releasing these games on PC, uh, like yeah. they did with, like Star Ocean Four and the recent Star Ocean uh, game. Just remember to compile uh, your shaders. Like, uh, like uh, it's kind of weird that they like First Departure R never came to PC. It's still PlayStation exclusive, as far as I know, in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remind, like... remind me, Adam, didn't they? Didn't the second one? come to playstation in japan what was that story uh second evolution got a ps or got a playstation 4 and vita port in japan it was just basically just like an up res with trophy support um it was kind of random and for some reason it never released in the west yeah that 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 version did it didn't get like the the treatment that first departure r did right no it was just an up res like no new art no new content it was just basically uh kind of like some of the other PlayStation 4 ports of PSP or PS2 games, where it's just like the same game, higher. it's like just outputting at higher resolution, but not really, no no improved textures or, you know, it's the same game, and they added trophies. But for some reason, that never, they never released that in the West, even though they released stuff like, uh, like Star Ocean 3 got a, one of those PS2 to PSP, or sorry, PS2 to PS4 versions. But yeah, so that, that well, clearly it's the because they were working on this. Clearly, it's because they're working on this full-fledged AAA remake. That's totally gonna blow our minds. I don't know. I, I I feel like it has something to do with Enix back then. Maybe they have some weird publishing rights that you know before they merge, which way back in the day. Because I don't know. Have anyone seen like like a what is it like a PS export of like the Dragon Quest Seven? You know, you never see that. Like a that version of any format these days, I would say. I don't know. I just feel like it's some kind of weird publishing thing. Well, who published it's... the original Star Ocean Second Story? Was it just Squaresoft? Uh, it was Enix back then. Oh, and they had some very god awful voice acting. It... <laughs> I, <laughs> for for uh, first departure R and um, second evolution. Or I guess, or, or second, whatever. Th- those rec- that recent port. It was was Trye still the developer on those? I don't think so. I okay. don't think so. Okay. Because I'm trying to think of like what is Trye? What what? Where is Trye now? I don't after think Trye, the studio, is actually had anything. Would I mean maybe, but they didn't have anything to do with First Departure R. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who did that. All right. Um. Yeah, because I'm wondering like what is Trye up to now after that the recent release of that uh, that Divine Force? We do not know. 
they've been silent on that front. So yeah, obviously we have no idea when that was intended to be, what the scope is or when it was intended to be unveiled, but found on the website and it looks like the logo has been pulled down uh, from the original URL. So clearly wasn't meant to be spotted, but it was. I guess you have to, what, okay. If this is like a real thing that they're going to do, when is the earliest time or, or do you think they'll like, announce it like it's like uh, the next Nintendo Direct. Uh, I feel like Nintendo I feel like the Direct. most likely yeah I feel like Nintendo Direct is the most likely even though we don't know of one because otherwise it's like Gamescom but that's too far away like I don't think they'd have a logo up on the site mm. already uh, Gamescom's what like August <laughs> when did oh. um when did Tactics Ogre release that for last year November when did it release November Mm, I, I assume I the think game it was just announced. I, I, think, I think Tactics Ogre, if I remember correctly, was just kind of randomly announced. Oh yeah, was it just making randomly announced in the <laughs> like it wasn't that? Really? Let me oh, it was like it was leaked, so they were forced to announce it. Technically, it leaked in it? like seven different ways before they announced. <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it it that was really funny how they fucking how that how much that game leaked. But now Adam <laughs> broke the leak news for once. That's it. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I guess yeah, who knows? It, it could be. Either the next day of the wreck, or it could just be like tomorrow, <laughs> out of nowhere, in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm pretty hyped for this. I actually think this is actually the best Star Ocean games out of everything that's released. I mean, that's everyone's opinion. You know? <laughs> that's yeah. just, and and it's, a val- it's a valid opinion. Like Star Ocean Two is the good Star Ocean game. There are, there are other considered potentially good Star Ocean games, but in my opinion. Everything went downhill it. after the Star Ocean free twist. I still like Star Ocean Three a lot. I wish it got a, 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 a modern release or like or like a remaster rather. My my Even super contentious opinion on Star Ocean Three is that its quality is independent of that twist. Like that twist doesn't really make the game good or bad. It, it is what it is. That twist doesn't really factor in. I I, I love Star Ocean Three's gameplay. Oh man, do anything to fucking get it on a modern platform, like on PC rather. Speaking of Square Enix announcements with no fanfare, we got an update to Triangle Strategy version 1.1. This is not, of course, a minor update. This is a, isn't a major announcement, but not something anyone was expecting. So Square announced that Triangle Strategy, of course, released early last year for, um, for Switch and then later on PC that Adam played through not too long ago. It added a replay feature, some other adjustments, including a extra story epilogue. Adam, you actually like booted this game up again with the new additions? Like, how substantial is it? Well, the replay stuff, it, it looks like it's just, you know, in the uh, tavern tent, you had those, like, optional battles you can do, and now you can just redo... You can both redo the, um, like, the story battles and, like, the story scenes also. Which, okay. you know, it's like one of those things that's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Why not? And... um there's other adjustments they made into the in this uh, update that I wasn't able to to check. It said like make let me see what the uh, the uh, official wording was, but something about like making repeat playthroughs a little bit easier. Looking at the updates, it says made battle adjustments for repeat playthroughs, improved some loot, money and item dropped by enemies during repeat playthroughs. So I don't know if they made it like on a repeat playthrough, you get more money, so you can buy more things more easily uh sometimes upgrading some of those like uh skills and stuff takes a while so maybe those 
money in that game was kind of like well balanced and by well balanced i mean like you weren't swimming in it you actually had to be like if you wanted to upgrade that stuff you had to do those free battles quite a bit to get to build up your money Uh, another update this is actually a pretty crucial one the dot 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 symbol animation can now be interrupted and skipped (laughs) i saw so many people being like hell yeah (laughs) that's so funny and there's like an extra epilogue to that can you actually see that without like getting the gold ending i think you have to get the Serenoa's route which is the quote true ending i watched it it's so i feel like some people nowadays they want epilogues to be like some mind-bending canon twisting sequel teasing batshit thing this isn't that this is just like a 10 minute little scene it's about it's like it takes place before the wedding of Serenoa and federica and it just has some of the different characters talking to each other kind of wrapping up some individual story arcs that you see if you like do their little uh side stories in the game and you know it's nice it's just like you know just it's an epilogue it's like the old-fashioned definition of an epilogue it's just characters kind of a denouement after all the conflict uh there's a couple of resolutions that come into place you know character arcs and it's nice that's all it is it's nice to be there it doesn't tease anything it doesn't it doesn't hint that this triangle strategy world is in the same world as octopath traveler whatever people want from these things these days um but yeah, it's nice. That's all it is. Yeah, um, that that's. I feel like it's one of those weird things. Like they've continually made like Triangle Strategy like a more like pleasant experience, plus have, have like a nice continual send off to it. I, I don't know they, what's it, up with Square trying to fix games like I don't know several months later. Yeah, it reminds me of the Chrono Cross update. Although that was more just performance rather than you know a new. Like they don't talk about it. But... It's like it's just like random surprise. Like here. Here's the thing that adds so much to your game, also. Yeah, like, yeah, like, even then, like, Triangle Strategy is like isn't like fundamentally flawed on like a, on a level that like you need to like fix it post launch. Oh, but you know? it's just it's good to have these things. But yeah, it's, like, I mean, it's, like, it's, it's, it's kind it's of a nice surprise. Thing. This comes yeah. out of nowhere, which a lot of companies don't really do. Yeah. Like, a lot of times, like when they sell a game, that's it. That's all you get. You know. So that's that's kind of a neat thing that it's like it's its own thing, a nice send off, a nice like you know, kind of a, a feel good like just. Kind of its own thing. Feel you know? Great update. Uh, well, uh, maybe uh, who uh, knows? Uh, Next uh, month uh, you get a deal field update. <laughs> well, deal field got an update too, kind yeah, of randomly. You got, you got you got your uh, crazy Walterquin. Yeah, DLC. <laughs> yeah. I still oh. think about how their social went to like Walterquin took over the social and didn't get like any <laughs> engagement. <That's right. laughs> yeah, it's like uh, okay, cool. <laughs> God damn it! I totally forgot about that. <laughs> That's so good. Fuck. Well, I mean, that, 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 that means that means Harvestella is gonna be the next one on their plate to get like this update. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally expect Harvestella to get a um a console port at some point during one of these random square announcements. Oh like yeah, a, that's I, I, I forgot uh, Sony's uh, one. An Xbox PlayStation port, I mean. Yeah, it's like a game pass sort of uh thing mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And that, I mean, there was a ton of headlines over the last week, of course, but that kind of covered it, I think, for all the major heavy hitters. Now, we couldn't conceive to cover absolutely everything. Uh, Maybe over the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to filter that information in if the next couple of weeks aren't so crazy. But I think I kind of covered all the things that I definitely circled for this podcast that I was you know, sure that I definitely wanted to hit for this recording. Uh, I'll just kind of put it out to the floor. Was there anything else in the RPG space or otherwise? From the last week or two that you guys are really excited about that was announced 
Um, not not really for RPG space, but I kind of like all the Armored Core Six stuff floating around. That was cool. I also liked. Uh, it's kind of a n- nice sentiment from Capcom for announcing uh, an offline version for Mega Man X Dive, which is like a, a Mega Man mobile game that they kind of recently put out of service, like in some territories. And I don't know what they're what they're gonna do for the other territories that have it up. If they're gonna sunset them soon or not. But I'm always I'm always in favor of being able to preserve these mobile games in some way, shape, or form after they've gone offline because there's there's a ton of fucking effort and art assets and sort of stuff that like it's kind of lost into the abyss and void once you close them down into nothingness. So it always it always, that always kind of stings. So it's kind of cool that they're doing this uh this and I you know uh, I wasn't a big fan of it but I'm willing to like give it another try and see if I'd like it in a offline sort of form. Um, the Apollo Justice trilogy announcement is uh it's kind of funny and also kind of cool that they also just now have like all the ace attorney all the mainline ace attorney games um gonna be like you know all out on all platforms very soon and um yeah i mean that's kind of uh for me kind of like there's been a shitload of fucking things that i've been excited for and you know looking forward to ff16 next week i was thinking like what was i most excited for Probably either Yakuza, the spinoff title, probably because there's a more immediacy to that one. It's it's in mm-hmm. November. Like when it's TBA 2024, it has I have a hard time getting excited for it. And even though it only had a very small showing at the PC gaming show, uh, well, I say small showing, um, but Baldur's Gate 3 had a showing at the PC gaming show showing the city of Baldur's Gate. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, that's two months away. Like, that's pretty immediate. And I'm excited for that. It's kind of it feels like. It's, you know, it's been in early access for a long time. And I've always said, you know, I'm not interested until it's full release. Well, we're not that far away from full release. So those two games are probably my most uh, eagerly. And then the for one that's further out would be the um, Project Zero. Metaphor, yeah. Fantasio. Uh, out of all the games, the one I think I'm most interested in, actually, is the Clockwork Revolution. I'm really yeah. interested in that. That's a good, that's a good one. And Tower know- Games. Uh, actually, it's gonna be more combat one. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> All right. I did actually play that. I, um, it's 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 fun, but uh, yeah, I'll be honest. Like, besides Microsoft showing this year was fairly dry. I, I feel mm. like so it's like definitely excited for stuff. Obviously, like Armored Core, I'm excited for. Uh, and I'll have a uh, like branching path up for that probably like either later today or tomorrow. But uh, like I said, like already my game, the show was the uh, Prince of Persia Metroidvania. And uh, so, I'm really so excited cool. for that. Yeah. I still can't believe how many journalists keep comparing the armor core to Elden Ring. It's armor core. It's, it's not. <laughs> Chow, what do you expect? Elden Ring sold what? 20 million copies now? Yeah, they but you know. Pl- most people, when they see Armored Core, their frame of reference will be Elden Ring. Yeah, you just have will. to accept it, that. Just, I, I haven't played every Armored Core game, but I've played a handful. Have, we've all played at least one, right? I mean, Josh has played them all, probably. I haven't. Oh, you haven't next, played any? It's like, what, what? What's the next Final Fantasy 17 is not near, guys. I don't want to get lost in the sauce. Like, I have a, you know, I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't want to get lost in the sauce of all of it. But uh, James does have a valid point that, like, you know, a lot of people's you know, frame of reference for this new Armored Core game will be Souls, admittedly. And, and, and you yeah. know, the, so the, the Armored Core games have never had, like, a great showing in, like, le- legacy media when they were coming out way back when, you know? Like, it was just that wasn't a strongly represented yeah. genre. 
Did the best-selling Armored Core game sell a million? And that's not a judgment call at all. Just reference between that and from oh, software. Fan, fan, uh, is it Project Phantasma or whatever it's called? I don't even know, dude. I don't keep up with fucking sales numbers. Armored Core, they're all low. So in my, I do, I, 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 do, I do like how like the, the Mimi images of the headlines have gone out. And they're either making like clear comparisons between like Souls, Ring, Elden Ring, and Armored Core, or they're saying it's nothing like those. It's like, didn't, then just don't name drop it. Just talk about Armored Core. I, I thought a lot about like, maybe I should write something like, no, Is I don't it want better to than five? I never actually played five. Uh, it, it, it's easy, easy to be better than five. Like the core, the, the core Armored Core five was kind of bad because like it, it focused a lot on the multiplayer aspect of it. Verdict Day is better. Still not like amazing. But I mean, that's Verdict actually the reason better. why I never played five. Is yeah. Because it just didn't have good word yeah. of mouth. Yeah. So. You know, I can I could talk on and on and on about it, but you know, well, let's spare everyone's sanity for it because I'm just gonna go down an abyss if I start. Well, we're reaching really close to the three hour mark. Um, if you've listened all the way through this podcast, thank you so much for listening. All of the news posts, as well as of course several of James's hands-on features, are up on the site at RPGSite.net, and it sounds like those are going to keep trickling out over the next couple of days. Yep, uh, they're for at least the next week because there is. Well, actually, there's one specific game I played that the embargo for previews lifts in July. Like not even the beginning of July. It's like the middle or like near the end, like after Anime Expo. It's like what the hell. I actually don't huh. know if this is up that my head. <laughs> yeah, well, I You'll obviously I can't. Recording. Yeah, yeah, it's like obviously I can't share it. Like, why? I probably know the game. I just can't think of it. Yeah, it's just like who? But yeah, uh, there's uh, stuff that embargoes have technically left, or they didn't have one. I'm just trickling them out because honestly, we're a smaller site. It doesn't have to be immediate, immediate. Just like within like a week, so that sort of thing. Um, like I said earlier, I did interview the voice actors for uh, Clive and Sid from 16. Uh, I'll just say this here. The setup they had for people interviewing them was not great. It was like at the venue. Like if anyone watched any of the, the stream for the 16 launch event, it was basically in that venue, but not in like a back room or like somewhere quiet. It was just on a raised platform in the middle of that like hangar thing with the music blaring. So mm -hmm. it's so like immediately after I recorded, I even like told the Square Enix representatives like I'll do what I can, but I'll be honest with all the noise here. I don't know what I what I'll be able to um, get out of this. And they were understanding, but it's like, come on, guys. Uh, that is a bit of a strange. So, yeah, um, uh, if I don't get that up, uh, Seth, like if I don't get that up, you'll know why. Uh, yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, go go sleep for forty eight hours and then and then go work on that. Yeah. yeah, and then of course I do want to give a shout out for several members of staff, Adam, Josh, and others, uh, for covering all the news posts. Uh, Josh Valentino, not me. I I have work. Right. <laughs> yeah, but like obviously, especially with the way the news comes out of this. You'll have you like like Persona Three Reload is a good example where it leaked. You had to cover that. Then it was officially announced. You had to cover that. Some interviews that clarified some information. You cover that, and then some clarifying clarifying interviews. A lot of times you have to revisit these things as the information comes in from multiple sources. Um, you know, and then different outlets get different access. They have to you know pull interview quotes or social media platforms, et cetera, et cetera. So getting all that synthesized, it is appreciated. So thank you, Adam. Thank you, Josh Tolentino. 
Uh, I put up a couple as well and a few others as well, supporting on the back end. And then, of course, next week, the big release is Final Fantasy 16. So I presume that this week we spent time talking about a wide gamut of games all on the news front announcement front. And the next week, primarily going to be Final Fantasy 16 uh, and deep dive into experience on that. So look forward to that shift in seven days. Uh, you can find RPG site on all the social media platforms. Just search for my RPG site on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and you should be able to find us. Um, if you're interested in talking about any of the announcements or any of the games as they come out, you can join our Discord by going to discord.gg slash RPG site or hitting the link at the top of our homepage. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the TetraCast. So thank you so much for listening. Until you hear from us next time, stay safe and take care. We will talk to you all later.